Blog Talk Radio. Darkness light, and turn the world 
even though war has erupted in Ukraine, most Americans still do not believe that a nuclear war with Russia is a serious threat. The Cold War doctrine of, quote-unquote, mutually assured destruction has been pounded into our heads so many times that most people simply assume that it would be unthinkable for either side to attempt a nuclear strike. That may have been true in the 1980s, but things have changed dramatically since that time. The Russians have developed some extremely impressive weapons and anti-missile systems since the end of the Cold War, but most Americans don't even know that they exist. So let's start with the RS-28 Sarmat. While the U.S. still relies on hopelessly outdated Minuteman III missiles that first went into service in 1970, the Russians have developed the most advanced intercontinental ballistic missiles on the entire planet. The RS-28, sometimes known as the Satan II, has been in development since 2014 and was famously described as capable of wiping out parts of the earth the size of Texas or France by Russia's state-owned media. The missile has a range of 6,385 miles and carries a warhead jam packed with multiple independent re-entry vehicles, or MIRVs, that boast a combined destructive yield of 50 megatons. In other words, the RS-28 Sarmat carries a destructive yield greater than 35 times that of the Minuteman III. So America's most powerful nuclear bomb in service, the B-83, also boasts just a 1.2 megaton yield. And even the most powerful nuclear weapon in American history, the 9 megaton B-53, brings in at less than one-fifth the yield of the mighty Sarmat. The U.S. military has no way to to defend against Sarmat. The Russians have also developed a very alarming line of hypersonic missiles that we have no way to defend against. In fact, the Russians just released footage of the Zircon hypersonic nuclear missile, which can travel at speeds of up to 7,000 miles per hour. Meanwhile, the U.S. is way behind both the Russians and the Chinese when it comes to developing hypersonic missiles. But if the Russians were to hit the U.S. with a surprise first strike, they would probably utilize their black hole submarines. The mainstay of the Russians' uh, Navy conventionally powered fleet are Project 877-class marine, a submarine, known as the Kilo-class to NATO in the West. Nicknamed the Black Hole, submarine by the U.S. Navy, the improved kilos are extremely quiet. The class has been built more or less continuously 
Island, it was Henry Gruber's uh, open vision of submarines that were lining up, yeah, I think it was the West Coast or East Coast, I, I think it was the East Coast, and that there would be a nuclear submarine attack against the United States in the last days. And somebody might look that up about Henry Gruber's uh, vision of the, the nuclear submarines. So, and that, because they're so quiet, it would make it impossible for a surprise. So a lot of silencing went into the kilos. The hull is described as having the approximate shape of a drop of water, reducing water resistance over older World War II era submarine designs. The propulsion plant is isolated on a rubber base so it doesn't touch the hull, preventing vibrations from turning into noise that can be heard outside the boat. The ship has a summary and a anechoic coating to deaden noise emanating from the submarine, which occasionally gives the submarines a blocky appearance noticeable in photographs. The air regeneration system can keep the crew supplied with oxygen for up to 260 hours, giving the ship almost two weeks worth of underwater endurance. So these submarines have the ability to sneak up to our coastlines without us even realizing that they are there. And once they launch their missiles, we would only have a few moments to respond. As terrifying as that sounds, many experts are even more concerned about a submarine-launched weapon known as Poseidon. Unlike the submarine-launched nuclear missiles, both Russia and the United States maintain as a part of their nuclear triad, the status sometimes called Poseidon, or by its NATO designation of Canyon, is actually a submersible drone. Once deployed by a Russian Navy submarine, the drone can travel autonomously toward its target, covering more than 5,400 miles at depths as low as 3,300 feet. Once it finds its target, the Status 6 simply parks and waits for the command to detonate. We would never see the Poseidon coming. Uh, theoretically, the Russians could deploy Poseidons to all of our major coastal cities and detonate them all simultaneously. Just take a few moments to think about what that would mean. And it has been reported that some Russian officials have said that the Poseidon can be equipped with a 100 megaton weapon. On board, this submersible drone is an absolutely massive warhead, with some claims saying it carries the same nuclear yield as the RS-28, and others claiming twice that. According to some Russian officials, the Status-6 can be equipped with a 100-megaton weapon, which is two times more powerful, powerful than the largest nuclear weapon ever tested. A detonation of that magnitude would not only destroy and irradiate or irradiate a massive area, its positioning underwater would result in a radioactive tsunami that would reach far further inland than the blast itself. In no uncertain terms, the Status 6 is intended to serve as a doomsday weapon. It's the sort of weapon you build not to win wars, but to end them. Such a weapon could destroy New York City in the blink of an eye. But all of these offensive weapons won't do the Russians much good if 
So there was a beach there on the island of Patmos. So I'm standing there looking out. And I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. His feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So here John sees a singular beast. It's one beast. It has seven heads with blasphemy on its heads. It has ten crowns, every one of them, or ten horns. Every one of those horns have a crown, which means they are ruling. There's, there's kingship there. And this is a singular beast of a leopard, a bear, and a lion. A leopard, a bear, and a lion. This is a seven-headed, ten-horned, leopard, bear, lion, beast coming up out of the sea. He gets his power from a great red dragon, right? So he gets his power from the dragon, which gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So whoever the dragon is, is giving this beast power, the seat, and great authority. His seat in what? In the United Nations. Let's take a look at this. Number one, who or where in Scripture do you find anybody talking about a lion, a leopard, and a bear? Well, let's go to Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 7, it tells us exactly what this means and who these nations were in antiquity, but there is also dualistic meaning in Bible prophecy to that there is no doubt. So in Daniel chapter 7, we read it this way. Daniel 7, 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matter. So I want you to know, Daniel and the book of Revelation are like hand and glove. There's so much interaction in Daniel the book of uh, Revelation, that it's just uncanny how it's just totally connected to these minor little differences. John was standing on the sea and he was looking out and he saw this thing come out. Daniel's on his bed. He's having a dream or a vision on his bed. So they're seeing similarities, but they're so much alike. So here is what Daniel saw on his bed, in his head, in a dream. Daniel spoke and said, verse 2, Daniel 7, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. Now, in the Amplified Bible, I think it is, or one of the translations, it says that uh, I saw, uh, what did he say? I saw in my vision by night, behold, the four winds, which represented, in this translation, political and social agitation. So Daniel is seeing the four winds of heaven representing political and social agitations blowing on what? Upon the great sea, the great sea of humanity. So when he saw Daniel in his vision were political and social agitations blowing upon the nations of the earth all over the world. And then he said when that, that those winds, those political and social agitations were blowing upon the sea of humanity, he said four great came up from the sea, diverse one from another. 
presence of God are sealed. The very next thing we know is that the first four angels that have the four trumpets, they blow the wind through the trumpets, and stuff happens all over the world. It's, earth, it's, it's an earth-shaking time. We can get into that in just a little bit. And then, of course, out of that turmoil, we have the great Revelation 13 chapter where a singular beast is coming up out of the sea. So back in Daniel, he saw four great beasts. Let's see who they are. He said the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand and made stand upon the feet as a man. And a man's heart was given to it. Now many Bible prophecy teachers will tell us that that is the kingdom of Babylon. We're going to see that these beasts represent kingdoms. And that's going to be very clear and it's true. So a lot of people say that the eagle kingdom or the lion kingdom was the nation of Babylon, the present-day Babylon in Daniel's time. And then it says in verse 5, Behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. So here we have a second beast, a bear, okay? A second beast. So we have Babylon, the lion, the first. Then we have this bear, and it's lying on its side. It has three ribs in its mouth. It's told, devour much flesh, do a lot of destruction. Then it says, in verse 6, after this, I beheld and lo, another. So a third beast came up out of the sea of humanity. And by the way, the bear represented the medial Persian Empire. So you have the Babylonian Empire of the lion, then you have the Medo-Persian Empire of the bear. Persia represents modern-day Iran, which is very interesting. All right, so you have that. And then in verse 6, I beheld a lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. This is known as the Grecian Empire with the four generals that became part of that empire after um, the Grecian leader, Alexander the Great, was removed. There were four generals that came up out in his place. So there you have three independent empires, the Babylonian Empire, then came the Medio persian Empire, then came the Grecian Empire, and then the fourth, I believe it's very clear that this is the Roman Empire, the Iron Kingdom, if you will. So... That is what Daniel is talking about. If you keep reading just a little bit more, it'll tell you. Uh, so let's take a look in verse 7. Oh, no, before I get to verse 7, let's make a connection. Let's do this first. Daniel, laying on his bed, visions in his head. He sees these kingdoms rising. He sees Babylon. Then he sees the medieval Persian kingdom. Then he sees the Grecian Empire. Then he sees the Roman Empire. He sees the succession of nations while Israel is a nation. Okay, they were in Babylon. They were alive during the, uh, the Medio Persian Empire as a nation. They were a nation, Israel, during the Grecian Empire. They were certainly a nation during the Roman Empire. So all these global one world governments, if you will, are independently ruling and one after the other while Israel is a nation. Okay. So in the book of Revelation, when John now is standing on the scene, he's seen a singular 
beast, what is the beast? Well, he's got the seven heads. He's got the ten horns. We'll go back to Daniel and look at that in a moment. And then he sees what? He says, the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Well, that leopard kingdom existed in the book of Daniel. And his feet were as the feet of a bear. Ah, so it's not a different one. It's all connected. The bear. Who's the bear today? And then it says, and his mouth was that of a lion. So we have the leopard, the bear, the lion of ancient kingdoms in the last days, in the finality of time, while the book of Revelation is unfolding, we have all these ancient singular empires back into existence, but they are one. It would be kind of like independent Islamic, uh, you know, sex, uh, S-E-C-T-S, and all of a sudden they become a caliphate. You know that in the Islamic tradition, and if you read the Quran, if you read the Hadiths, uh, the Muslim world is looking for its caliph, And the caliph is the head of the caliphate. And the caliphate is a unification of all Islamic streams coming together as one, which is very, very powerful. And we need to talk about that because, quite frankly, as we look at, well, who is the leopard? Who is the bear? Who is the lion? Well, today... Um, Russia is called the bear. I mean, it's all about their symbolism of a bear. Um, this dragon in Revelation 13, the symbol of China today is the great red dragon. Uh, it's red communism, et cetera, et cetera. So you have this China somehow giving authority and power in a seat to the beast, which is a combination. And then, of course, you have the, uh, you have the bear, which represented also... Um, the Iran, modern-day Iran. So if you start putting things together, and uh, today is not the day for me to do this because of time limitations, but when we start putting things together, you begin to realize that what is going to happen at the end of time is that there is going to come a coalition. There's going to come a unification. And the unification is going to exist while the church is on this earth, just like Israel was existing during the time of these ancient empires, and they had to endure each one of them. We're living at the end of the ages where those who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ are living at a time when a one-world government is coming to power. Revelation 13 is all about that one-world government. Somehow, China has power to give the beast power, authority, and a seat. And that seat represents a place at the table, if you will. And some people have said uh, that the uh, United Nations today has two major blocks. One is a communistic block, and the other is an Islamic block. And so there's a lot of power and authority there. So are we looking at a time coming that through NATO forces and uh, European unions and the United Nations, that there will become a one-world government that will rise to power, be taken over by the Antichrist, and will rule the world and make it miserable, okay? The Bible actually talks about these things. To understand them, well, there are many interpretations, and quite frankly, it's not easy to do that. I mean, you think about the dragon, and you look at China today, you think about the bear, and you see Russia today, but then it has these seven heads and these ten horns as well. So who are the seven heads and the ten horns? We saw the independent nations of the lion, the leopard, the bear, and then the iron kingdom of Rome representing a massive 
influence as most of these ancient empires did. So let's go back to Daniel chapter 7 and look at verse 7. Daniel 7, 7. After this I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, it had great iron teeth that devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue at the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. It had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. That is no other, none other, than the book of Revelation, chapter 13, known as the beast. Watch. It says of the beast in Revelation 13, and I'll just pick it up in verse 3, Revelation 13, 3. I saw one of his hands as it were wounded to death. His deadly wound was healed. My wife believes, Patricia Joy believes, this is communism. We'll see. Or a communistic nation, maybe Russia. Well, that was been wounded. Well, it's coming back to life again. All the world wondered after the beast. They worshipped the dragon, which gave power to the beast. They worshipped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? There was given unto him a mouth, going back to Daniel that we just read, right? But in Revelation 13, this beast was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 42 months. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life during the time of this rising of this one world beast governmental system, um, you're going to be worshiping that beast, not you're the target of the beast. That's very clear. But notice this beast is given a mouth to speak great things and blasphemies, and he blasphemes everything about God. So back in Daniel 7, what does it do again? It says, I considered before, uh, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. So if you have ten horns and three are removed, that gives you seven, and then there came up one, that would be the eight. That's important when we get to Revelation 17. It talks about the eight, one that will come. This is the beast, the one world government here. So, and behold, in his form were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. So this eight, who is made up of the seven, don't get confused on me with the math, Revelation 17 talks about, well, let's go there real quick. Uh, I should have done this a little bit slower. But here we go. So in Revelation chapter 17, 
of one world global government 
Uh, there's going to be a great destruction of all of it. So, what are we saying here today? Nuclear war is a reality. The detonation of nuclear weapons all over the United States of America and most likely around the world as well is real. The Bible actually predicts a time of these nuclear weapons going off. And it's, it's throughout the Old Testament. And remember, we read the Old Testament because we learn from the prophets and from the past how God works today. God has never changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Covenants have changed, but God has never changed. We are in a new covenant. We're believers. We have eternal life. We, feel, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and the Lord of heaven and earth. I mean, our covenant with God is eternal, so whether we live or die, we have eternal life with him. Our covenant is no longer the Mosaic Law. We are not under the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law has been abolished, eradicated. I know that drives people crazy, but it's in your Bible. And as long as the Mosaic Law is still being read, there's a veil over men's hearts and lives. There's no doubt about that. You and I are under a covenant of grace. You and I are under a covenant of mercy and truth and light and spirit. And it's the most beautiful covenant that does not make us least, it makes us even greater. So the covenant of grace brings everything to a higher vibration, if you want to call it that, than the low ebb of the Mosaic Law. The Spirit of God, the grace of God, brings us up and out of the, uh, the, the, the depravity. It brings us out of the normality. It brings us out of everything that's just low. And in the Spirit of Jesus Christ, everything is crackling, crystal clear, full of light and bright and color and light. Hallelujah. So that doesn't change the fact, however, that nuclear wars, bombs, pestilences exist. We just walked through 2020 with the so-called pandemic and vaccinations and all these different things that were going on that everybody got super confused about, wearing masks, et cetera, et cetera. That was real. That touched the church, didn't it? Many of the churches shut down. Their doors were locked. They were distanced. They were masked. They were controlled over a pandemic. That's what really happened. So when we get into the idea of, well, nuclear war doesn't matter, this, that, yeah, you were here for the pandemic. Now, the Bible's declaring, we will be here during a time of war. And when it comes to one world power, you take Nazi Germany. Now, let's, let's look at what the Bible just said. Let's do it this way. If you take Egyptian, go back to the Egyptian Empire and how it enslaved the Israelis. Remember, they were slaves in the house of bondage. When you go back to the Assyrian Empire, they were brutal and they were vicious. And when they came and attacked the Jewish people, violent. Babylon, violent, destroyed the temple. Medio Persian Empire, the uh, the bear, they were powerful enemies. But there was favor in that kingdom towards the Jews. Then came the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire, very powerful. And then Nazi Germany. Think, just think about Nazi Germany. I'm not saying they were the seventh. I'm just saying consider the power of Germany against the Jews, right? So, or whoever they were that was in that conflagration. When you look at it and you just see concentration camps, millions of people dying, you get a picture of what the end will be like. All these ancient empires under the satanic influence of Satan himself that was in Egypt that was in 
Medo-Persia that was in Babylon. Remember, spirit was behind all of it. Uh, Satan and Lucifer was behind all of it. He was a, he was just like a, a, a thought of it in this one, a thought of it in that one. He appeared here. But in the last days, having amassed all power in the fullness of his manifestation as Lucifer, the Antichrist, the one and only, the man of sin, the little horn, the beast, well now, what kind of persecution? Well, that's what the book of Revelation is all about. Three and a half years of great tribulation, not the wrath of God, but the wrath of the dragon against everything that's called God. So whatever survives World War III, whatever survives the population uh, eradication mandate that's on the earth right now to wipe out over 4 billion people, whatever survives that, we're going to see a, a conglomeration. The beast shall come. He shall take his position. And for three and a half years, he will do everything in his satanic energy and power to destroy everything belonging to God, including blaspheming the God of heaven. And he will be unrestrained. There will be no resistance to this beast for three and a half years. That's why we believe that a lot of people are going to suffer. A lot of people are going to die. A lot of people are going to fall away. A lot of people are going to turn back. They're not ready for this. Most of the church believes they won't be here when this happens. They'll be gone in the, in the tribulation. Other people are doing the best they can to prepare as preppers. But if they don't have the mind of Christ, I don't think it's going to prevail anything. Because if you're not in the book of the Lamb, you're going to worship the beast if you're on this earth. That's what the Bible said. Whoever's name was not written in the Lamb's book of life is going to be worshiping the dragon and worshiping the beast. Period. So you're not going to just survive the evil and yet not turn to Christ. Not going to happen. Then there will be others that are going to be in the wilderness, prepared by God for them. There's an ark, like in the days of Noah, prepared by God. They may have built it, but it was God's blueprint. Noah built the ark this way. There will be refuges. There will be uh, underground shelters. There will be places where he'll say, enter into your chamber, shut the door until the indignation be overpassed. These will be God-fearing people who love the Lord, and he's going to provide for them. He's going to have a supernatural protection over his people in the book of Revelation chapter 3, the church of Philadelphia. Um, because you've kept the word of my patience, I will keep you from the hour of temptation that shall come upon the whole world to try them and dwell upon the face of the whole earth. So there's plenty of room for Goshens to exist while the Egyptian empire is in power. And even while the Egyptian empire is in power, there's still Goshen places of security while the Egyptian empires are being destroyed as well when judgment hits the empires of the world. I think that's going to be a very sound reality. Now, are, you, are we ready for these things is the question. Did 2020 take us off guard? Shouldn't have if we were tuned into Bible prophecy because people were prophesying these things to come. I shared briefly yesterday on our program about a dream that I had two days ago. It was a very real dream. It was very vivid. I don't know what's going on in my mind, but in my dreams, even last night, I'm getting these black markers are writing specific information in the dreams, and I'm not going to claim anything. All I'm going to say in reminder is that at one point I was at a bench trying to witness to, to Christ to some people. Next thing I know, everybody was gone. They left behind a phone. 
I was trying to contact them, so I'm seeing all these numbers, and a black horse kept showing up like a chess piece, uh, the black horse of chess, and it kept showing up next to a certain number. So I dialed that number, and I'm transported now into another part of the dream, and I'm walking, very colorful, and I'm walking through a huge grocery store place. I, and it wasn't Walmart. It was different, and it was packed out. The parking lot was packed out. People were sitting on the ground. They looked bewildered. Bewildered. I walked into the store, and I saw the blood, and I realized that a mass shooting had just occurred. But then I came out of the store, and what I realized upon awakening was the black horse on that phone, and so I looked at the black horse in Revelation chapter 6, and that talks about economic imbalance and food shortages and crises. Now, you've probably heard it a hundred times, but let's just listen to it one more time. The price of food is rising right now. The wheat basket, Ukraine, is under attack right now. There's an illusion going on in the world with smoke and mirrors, and nobody knows what's true. We don't know what's really happening, but what we do know is the price of food at the checkout stand has risen. We know that the price of gasoline at the gas pump has risen. And whatever they're toying with or playing, I tell you, they're only playing into God's word. And I do believe that there's a sword in the hand of a slayer. And God said in Ezekiel chapter 21, it's my sword that I'm going to put into the hand of a slayer. If Russia is the slayer, it's only because they're going to fulfill God's word. And John F. Kennedy talked about the nuclear sword of Damocles. So if God is going to release the nuclear sword to Russia, he'll do it by putting a thought in someone's head and push the button, whatever that means. He'll influence someone's heart. We just read it in Revelation 17. God puts a thought into their heart to fulfill his will. This is now pounding at the door. Many years ago, in January of 2004, it was January 5th, 2004, as I was driving up Interstate 15 from San Diego to Temecula, I had an open vision. The open vision, I saw mushroom clouds off to my right as I'm driving. And I'm seeing the mushroom clouds as real as they were brown. I saw the whole thing. And then it wasn't just one. It was another one and another one. And I tried to slap it out of my head and say, oh, get that. Get that out of my head. It was my birthday. That's why I remember the day. And now I was at peace. Now I'm sitting up straight driving going, what is that in the Holy Spirit dialogue? I said, this is where the enemy wants to go. They want to detonate 7 to 15 nuclear weapons on the same day in 7 to 15 major cities across this country. Amos chapter 8 talks about a dark day where the lights will go out. Nuclear weapons not only have the potential to bring destruction, but they also could be detonated above us in space, and they could wipe out the electrical grid. A friend of ours, Cindy, who's a frequent chatter in our room, in our chat room, she told the church on I think it was Tuesday night, she told us that she's a bus driver. She was driving her bus, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the bus just shut down. She couldn't figure it out. It just shut down like it had never started before. And immediately I thought, that's exactly what it's going to be like when the lights go out. When the electromagnetic pulse, when the nuclear weapon is detonated above our airspace, when the cyber 
media is gaslighting people that they are bogged down. They are not. Preserving infrastructure, minimizing life loss. Russia today is a Christian nation and not the evil empire of Reagan. I've heard that a lot lately. And that's because of the great deception that's going on today. It's amazing. Uh, Callie Reynolds, good morning, pastors. Good morning, Callie and Joyce and Charlotte. God bless you all. Safe journeys to everybody. Be super blessed. Make sure to come back refreshed, anointed, and appointed. Here we go. Uh, Kevin, happy to have us. Morning, good. Uh, technology in last 20 years creates cavitation, bubbles around the torpedo, etc. allows it to generate great speeds underwater. Wow, Terry seems to know what he's talking about here. Phil Buswell says, will Vladimir Haman hang himself? Uh, Vladimir Haman. I don't think so, because I think that America is more corrupt than the Ukraine, quite frankly. We have more blood on our hands than any other nation on the face of the earth, because we knew better. We will be held in more stripes. So those who know to do right, don't do it. We'll have more stripes. Even upon those who do more evil, but they didn't know what we know, they'll get less stripes. America's about to be striped. No doubt about that. All right, Dimitri Dunaman mentioned New York, L.A., Las Vegas, Florida, Sodom as Sodom. So the angel told him it will burn. I believe it's true. I believe it's going to happen. Pastor Jeff Bass Kruger asked the Lord when it would happen. He was told the following. When Russia opens her gates and lets masses go, free world will be occupied with transporting, housing, and caring for masses and will let weapons down, cry peace and safety, and then it happens. Wow, what incredible information. Tammy Ivey says, good morning, my brethren. Greetings from Georgia. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Shalom. Thank you for the blessing, Tammy. Diane Gravely says, peace to the body of Christ. This is great information. Thank you. Carol Carey, good morning. Brothers and sisters, God bless you. Thank you, Carol. Uh, Carrie says, everyone, click like. Helps algorithm. Okay, so click like on this program, and I guess that's a good thing. Autumn Nichols. Autumn, I was just thinking of you and Travis yesterday. Trust you're doing well. She says, in reference to the world going dark, 29, immediately after the misery of those days, she's quoting a scripture, Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the misery of those days, the sun will turn dark, the moon will not give light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers of the universe will be shaken. For this reason, let's not let solar power be a major part of our preparation. Thank you for that. That's really good information, actually. Autumn went on to say, when you were speaking of the one world government, I recall Pastor Patricia Joyce works from a few weeks back when she said, we've already fallen. I wonder if we've already fallen to a one world government with the WEF infiltrating the world governments and running them. Hmm. Remind me of WEF. For some reason, my brain went blank. Um, Shirley Woodley, I pray often for the edge of protection, the edge of protection around my family. Love last night's service. Good work. All right, so the WEF is what? The World Something Forum? I forget. I don't remember. Autumn, uh, share that with us, okay? Great comments, guys. Let's take a quick call, and then we're going to have to burst here pretty soon. Uh, right. Uh, the World Economic Forum. Thank you, Autumn. Very good. Let's take this call. Coming out of South Dakota, our dear friends, Ken and Kathy, good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on here. Good morning. Yes. In regards to the gentleman, Henry Gruber, 15 years ago, on May 23rd, 2007, we were in the Eagle Butte 
South Dakota at an Indian reservation. We had been invited there because Henry was going to be there and speak. And he, we had an opportunity to speak with Henry because we were at the same hotel. And one day, we had an hour or so with him before the service. And he told us many things that would come to pass. And what you said this morning, that was one of the things that he spoke with us personally about, my husband and myself and another couple. I want to say this. I'm not going to tell you this on air, but I need to tell you that five, he, he was called to the Pentagon a lot. And there was some, um, this was a time when Rumsfeld was the, uh, Secretary, I don't know, whatever part he had played And he personally told Henry Gruber five groups in America that the government was watching back there 15 years ago. And I'll talk to you about that personally later on. But you were right. This is a razor's edge. We are approaching and coming into this, and we must just get ready. Amen. You know what's amazing, talking with you, Kathy, right now, uh, confirming Henry Gruber, people that may not know him, he walked throughout many nations of the earth, one of his great countries to conquer in prayer. He was a prayer walker, uh, was Japan, if I understand it properly, but he walked all over the world and prayed. He had many open visions and dreams, and what we were hearing is 25, 30 years ago, whenever, uh, everything that these men, Dimitri Dudeman, Henry Gruber, and others, that shared, it's kind of like it's the, the headline news today. And so I'm so glad that you met both Dimitri Dudeman and you met his grandson, Michael Bodea, and you met Henry Gruber, and you're here to confirm and tell the story. I find that absolutely credible and amazing. And yes, we need to prepare. This is the razor's edge. Yes. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay. God bless you. I can't wait to hear who those five groups are that they've been watching, um, I'm sure it's going to be fascinating. Okay. Okay, I think we're done. Balance it out. We're going to be gathering together this weekend. I hope you'll join us over at New Wine Ministries in Bella Vista. You can find us on our website at nwmglobal.org. I'll put that on the screen right now. If you go to this website, nwmglobal.org, uh, you can get a map of where we're meeting, um, and, and we're going to have a great gathering time together. We hope you'll be there. We want you to come and be invited, and we're going to talk about many things and uh, remaining balanced. And may God give us the wisdom and the ability to present his word in a very living, real, genuine way. That's uh, what we seek to do. So find us. Come and join us Saturday, 5.30 p.m., Sunday, 2 p.m. Uh, come be a part of what we're doing. We will look forward to you. Also, on this same website, I'm going to ask some of you folks out there today if you would consider supporting the ministry. Uh, we've gotten kind of quiet in the last week or so. And, again, we're just looking for some uh, individuals to partner with us in the ministry. We thank God for all of you who do, and we praise the Lord for that. So, remember, you can always give to this ministry online. You can do it by going to omegaradio.org or this uh, donate tab that's on the screen right now, or by text, or by mail, uh, either way. So think about it, pray about it, and we appreciate it. More importantly, keep praying for us, please. Please pray for Patricia and I. 
please pray. If you're not a part of New Life Ministries, but you're, you're, you're part of it in another way, please keep our ministry in prayer. God is, is prophetically speaking over our ministry about some things he wants to do in it and through it. We are asking for the breakthrough anointing. David said he called to the God of the breakthrough so he would break in upon his enemies so that the purpose of God would go forth. New Wine Ministries is destined to break through and to do some things. I know it involves home fellowships. I know uh, that this has to happen, but there's, there's just more of an influence. We are believing for a microburst of divine energy and power of the Holy Spirit to suddenly fall upon this, this work in ministry. I hope you're there when it happens. <laughs> We're going to keep showing up because we want it to happen, a microburst of the glory of God. To, to enable us to have more wisdom, influence, and preparations. Folks, we love you, and we bless you in the name of Jesus. Oh,
Jesus and yet being very forthright in the things that we see as watchmen on the wall looking at, you know, events that are happening around the world and then seeing them through the biblical lens or reading the Bible and then looking at these events and coming up with a biblical interpretation, uh, a, world, a biblical worldview of the things that we see. And so there have been seasons in my life where I have touched upon uh, different things um, that were satanically deep uh, and ugly and have sought to expose them and to uh, bring enlightenment to people, to awake them. Unfortunately, a lot of times that has been met with uh, tremendous blowback. Uh, it seems that when you touch certain things, uh, the enemy is um, even even hinted at being exposed. Uh, there is something that is, there's a response. And so it must be very much spirit-led. We must be led by the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. Uh, on top of this, you know, these, these morning broadcasts and preaching of the gospel and doing what we do all the time, um, you know, there's, there's a caution of how we approach what we say. And in the meanwhile, working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, making sure that we ourselves are in alignment with the Lord, alignment with truth. I believe that's the most important thing for all of us to be in the truth. And yet when you're out there and you're, you're sitting down and you're the one that's doing all the talking, uh, that is subject to, you know, criticism, which is good, and judgment, which is good. I think people should be very judicial. But um, I, I'm saying this because of what we're going to talk about today. Um, our dear friends uh, presented a document to us a while back ago, and I read it last week, concerning the Khazarian Mafia. And what a response has suddenly come upon. I mean, everywhere I turn now, um, I, I promise you that we were not plagiarizing anybody's work, or we heard somebody saying it, so we you know, got on the bandwagon, seems the opposite is true, uh, if anything. Our friends at our church, our dear elders, brought this out of nowhere about the Kazari Mafia, this article. I read that article, and next thing I know, not only was there a, a massive response to what we had been talking about, uh, and people were very thankful for the exposure, but then we're hearing that other people that are watchmen or doing what God's called them to do, I guess supposedly independent, you know, you would think they were listening to us, uh, or it would appear that we were listening to them, but the contrary, nobody's listening to anybody, I haven't listened to anybody, and yet they're saying the same thing about the Khazarian Mafia, and this Khazar idea needs to be more fully understood, so I'm going to spend some quality time this morning from men of God and people that are historians uh, that have uncovered some things about this, and quite frankly, uh, whether or not they were just being controversial or not, uh, the information is out there, and I think it needs to be fully understood. I did a little research last night, and I, you know, we have this little fire stick, and you say, who uh, or what is the Khazarian Mafia? And all of a sudden, this yeah, Alexa, whoever she is on the TV, says, Bibi Netanyahu is the operational direction of, uh, director of the Khazarian Mafia. And you say, what? I mean, I, I'm expecting YouTube videos to come out. Who is the Khazarian Mafia? And this television is talking back to me saying, 
Bibi Netanyahu is the operational director of the Khazarian Mafia. I thought, that is really strange. So, before going to bed last night, setting up this broadcast, I always ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to title the message? And today, the title of the message was Global World Leaders Preparing to Make Their Move, something like that. It was like global world rulers are kind of, they're, they're dedicated now, and they're moving forward, and there's no turning back. I, I, I really believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying that the church needs to be awakened, believers need to be awakened to the reality that global government that the Bible actually talks about is making its move. And it's not just an incremental, this is a massive, giant step um, in their evolution of what the Bible calls a one-world government. And so I believe Holy Spirit is revealing these things. But I want to start with a passage of Scripture today. And um, I love when the Word of God speaks on things. All right, so I'm going to pick it up in 1 John, the first epistle of John, not the Gospel. 1 John chapter 2. And I want to begin in verse 15. And I, I would hope you have your Bibles open. I would hope you want to march through this moment with me. Again, I am under the uh, persuasion that we should be innocent concerning what is evil, wise concerning what is good, and yet not ignorant of Satan's devices. Also, as the apostle, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. So my people perish for a lack of knowledge. I mean, if you're out there and you're ready to fight, but you don't know who you're, you're fighting with, you know, you can put on all the full armor of God you want to, but if you don't know who your enemy is, well, it's the devil. Yes, it is, but how is he coming through? What mechanism is he coming? How is he operating in the world today? How is he going to be operating and confronting my life or the ecclesia or the country that I live in or the city I live in? You know, how is this happening? Why are people seemingly stuck right now in a rut? Why is there a, a veil over the nations of the earth right now uh, where people are basically blinded and suffocating from breathing true air? Why is there, you know, such little response to negative things? Why is there such fear and intimidation? Why is why why have things changed so rapidly in our generation like never before in the history of the world? Well, there's a lot of questions to that. I think it's an abandonment of the Word of God, an abandonment of the church doing what the church was supposed to do, which is expose what is in the darkness. That's in the book of Ephesians that we are to expose. Have nothing to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So the church's light was supposed to be exposing the unfruitful deeds of darkness. And there are many unfruitful deeds of darkness all over the world. So uh, we want to be very balanced, but I want to go deeper into this today. In scripture, I want to begin with 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world. Just the believers, all believers, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And that means to have affection. That's agape. I mean, the word love not there. The word love is the agapeo, and it simply means to entertain, to be fond of. Uh, it talks about uh, to have a, uh, a love in a social or moral sense. All right? So and what world is he talking about? Love not the world. Well, the word world there is where we get the English word cosmos, and the Greek word is cosmos, and the word cosmos in the definition is speaking of the orderly arrangement, the order, 
the world. So the lust of the flesh, and I've got more lust there, just gives it a desire. I'll give you the definition. The epithumia, the epithumia, and that word lust there means craving, longing, desire for what is forbidden. It talks about just having a longing for the things of the world. A longing for the things of the world, which is the true longing of every believer being. For Christ, the, the, the spirit and the bride to come quickly, Lord Jesus. Why are they saying come quickly, Lord Jesus? Because their longing, their longing is in the right direction. They're longing for God to come and fill the earth with his glory. There's not a longing to enjoy the dainties of the world. Oh, Lord, hold out because I want to go to college. I want my kids to grow up. No, we should be training our kids to long for the Lord, to love the Lord, to honor the Lord, to be protected from being ensnared in this world. We ourselves should be the same. So this is what the word lust is. So he's saying all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, human nature, desire of a fallen humanity, a fallen human nature, the lust of the eyes, okay, so what the eyes see, and you go back to the Garden of Eden, and you have uh, Mrs. Adam there, we call her Eve, uh, and she saw that the fruit was good to be, you know, and all this things, for the lust of her eyes, to make one wise. You know, be careful about becoming an educated fool. You know what I mean? Be careful about getting the world's wisdom, neglecting God's wisdom, and being deceived by it, becoming an educated fool. So that's what he's saying. So that's why God's people should be giving themselves to studying the Word of God, and living as light and saving souls should be their number one cause on this earth. And then whatever they do in their business, their job, and we have to eat, we have to drink, we have to live in a house, we get that. There's you gotta, you know, our needs being met, we should be very content so that we can get on with the true business of being Christians in the world in which we live. It's really simple. But when we go after all the worldly knowledge, all we're doing is partaking of what fallen angels given to fallen men. And we're looking at the world's ways and the world's system and the world's money and the world's economy and the world's medical and the world's engineering and the world this and the world that. No, we are of a higher order. We're of the kingdom of God. And because we've neglected the precedent of the things of the kingdom, we're so smart in the things of the world, but we have no spiritual power to operate in the kingdom of God, which is a higher order of things. This is becoming an educated fool again. So, verse 16. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Oh, I know something. I've achieved something of the world's ways and the world's good. It's nonsense. And he goes on to say, this is not of the Father. This is not of the Father. The Father didn't put you on this earth and call you and choose you and send his son to die for you so that you could become a worldly man. That you could become a knowledgeable worldly man about the things of the world. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, when God wants things to advance technology and he has it from heaven, like getting light, I mean, light was good, right? Uh, you know, freezing your food, there's some really great stuff out there, but it all, it either goes back to the glory of God or it's just something we learn about. Then in verse 17, 1 John 2, 17, and the world passes away. I fear that I've offended some people already and we just started the program, right? Because maybe some people are so caught up in this world um, they're no heavenly good. But anyways, and the world passes away. And that's the message of John to the believers of his day. The world is passing away. And that phrase there, passing away, in the Greek is the parago. And that word means simply to lead near, to go along or away. 
it's departing. Do you know that every order that has ever existed on the face of this earth in government, finance, whatever, has come and gone? And the one that we're in right now most certainly shall come and it shall go. Verse 17, the world, the cosmos, the orderly arrangement, the decoration of things as they are, is departing. It's passing away. And the lust thereof, all the desire that's connected to it, it's all going to pass away. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So what if you don't do the will of God? What if you're not involved in the will of God? What if you're involved in everything but the will of God? Maybe you're a gossip. Maybe you're telling everybody about somebody else. Maybe you're just a worldly person and you don't have the things of God in mind. You have the things of the world in mind. Maybe money is your God. Maybe money is your pursuit. Maybe you're a a liar. Maybe you're, you know, whatever it is that people are. Here, John says, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So we must make sure as Christians we're doing the will of God, but we don't even know what the will of God is until we do the Romans 12 thing which is offer our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, you know, that you may know the will of God. I mean, Romans 12, I just happen to be here right now. I don't know how I got here, but Romans 12, what I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when John says that he that does the will of God abides forever, well, the only way to know the will of God and to do the will of God is, number one, do what it says in the Bible. Read it and obey it and do it, okay? Then you will live forever. You will abide forever. Uh, But he who hears the word of God and does not do it, deceives himself. I mean, that's in the book of James, right? So we're to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. So he says here that to know the will of God, you've got to present your body a living sacrifice. It'll lay your body down, your life down. Uh, it's our reasonable service. We have to be not conformed to the world, the cosmos, the decoration, the orderly thing, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind with the word of God and the Holy Spirit, this is what we should have been doing all along. Don't stop now, right? But here's the key. Here's what John says. Here's, here's the emphasis of his letter. Here's what he's saying to the people of God, you and I today. He's just telling them, listen, little children, verse 18, it is the last time. Now, for John's audience, it certainly was. The whole world of Judaism came to an end. 70 AD was coming upon them. The destruction of the temple, the scattering of the Jewish people, the ends of the earth for 1,900 years, right? Um, And I'm laying this very extensive groundwork for where we're going today as we're getting ready to talk about the Khazarian Mafia at a much deeper level than we have. We've simply given some outline about who the Khazarians are. We've awakened to it. Uh, It's going to go much deeper today, and we want to be prepared, okay? So my little children, or little children, such an affectionate term from the Apostle John, it is the last time, and it is the last time for you and I today. There's no doubt about it. This is dualistic. And as 
you have heard that Antichrist shall come. That's singular, Antichrist. And again, that is the Antichristos. And that just simply means the adversary of the Messiah, an opponent of the Messiah. So we have an opponent coming, the Antichrist. It talks in the singular sense. And he said, and as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now, at that time, are there many Antichrists, many opponents of Christ, of the Messiah. And so he goes, whereby we know that it is the last time. They knew it was the last time because Nero was in power, right? Uh, the, the Caesars of Rome, the Khazars, the Caesars, the Khazars. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But he's saying that there were many antichrists, many opponents of Christ. Nero was blaming the fires of Rome on the Christians. They lit up the streets with their bodies. He had the, he had the spirit of the antichrist. All right, and this was going on in their days. So 70 AD is kind of a preview of what we're looking at now in our generation as we come to the end of the end of the ages. Stay with me on these things and you'll do well, uh, whereby we know that it is the last time. We're talking about the Antichrist. We're talking about how there have been throughout the history of the world many Antichrists in type and shadow and, and glimmers, if you will, uh, from the Nero's of the world to the Epiphanes the fourth of the Syrian kingdom in the days of Daniel when he wrote about it. Uh, go back to Cain was an antichrist, an opponent of the things of God. Uh, you can go all the way back to the beginning of time and find throughout the history of the world that there have always been antichrists. But there is an antichrist that the Bible does talk about. We know him as the man of sin. We know him as the son of perdition. We know him as the little horn. We know him as the big mouth in Revelation 13, Daniel chapter 7. We know him as Lucifer. We know him as the one, the son of perdition, the son of destruction, the son of Apollyon, the son of misery and death. Everything prior to him, he will embody. He is the one that is coming on this earth. In everything going on in this world, the Luciferian worshipers, the devil worshipers, the Satan worshipers, the priesthood of Satan that's on the earth that's dressed up in suits and ties rather than, you know, pitchforks, red capes, and, and you know, daggers in their hands, um, this is a reality. Satan, the Antichrist, the stage is set. He's waiting in the wing. Everybody feels that. The dread reality of the Antichrist, who is going to fall onto this earth with rage, and he's going to begin to understand what his time is going to allow him to do. He's waiting in the wings, if you will, whether it's his fall from heaven to earth, whether he's somehow hidden in someone's living room, who knows. But what we are beginning to sense and discern is that there's a dread spirit in the world. There's something that is ready to make its appearance known. And we know that the great tribulation is all about that man of sin, that Lucifer, that son of perdition, that little horn, that, that horn of blasphemy, that opponent of Yeshua, and the opponent of everything. 
everything that's connected to Yeshua, he's ready to come. And people are picking that up, and it's a global thing. It's not isolated. And so, this is Antichrist. This is Antichrist. So, who is laboring on his behalf today? Who is laboring? Well, the first part of this history that I want to get into is coming from a man that I heard about probably 30 years ago. Uh, I heard this man, let me give you a little background to it. Uh, when Patricia and I were married 30 years ago, okay, coming up on 30 years, we've been in, uh, we're getting, coming on 30 years um, in October. When we were married and we began our ministry together and we started moving along, we were introduced to the things we talk much about today, and it came, excuse me, it came in different ways uh, when we were looking at a program about the Jekyll Island uh, banksters, the cabal that made their plan, uh, Jekyll Island, we, we were introduced to that, uh, and we studied it out. We were introduced to some other uh, videos and concepts until finally somebody put a book in our hand. It was called No Light, No Tunnel. You will not find it on the Internet anywhere. There were only five copies of this book anywhere in the world. A friend of ours in California gave us this book. I don't know how he got it. He said there were only five copies. You can search it out today, the name of it, No Light, No Tunnel. Uh, It doesn't exist. But we read that book from cover to cover, and I gave it to somebody, and I don't know who I gave it to. If you're the one, please give it back. We'd love to have it again so I could share some of the information. But it talked about everything, and I mean everything, from the Illuminati, from the Club of Rome, from the Freemasonry. I mean, it was deep, and it got into the 13th family, the bloodlines. It was so into all these things, but I had a, an understanding of the innocent concerning what's evil, so I didn't get out there and start preaching it. I became aware of what was going on, and so we were introduced to all of this. It was almost at the same time when a man by the name of Dimitri Dudeman was on the 700 Club. We watched this. His grandson, Michael Boldea, was interpreting for Dimitri Dudeman, his grandfather, Ben Kinslow was the host of that program, and Ben Kinslow was asking this Romanian prophet who had been persecuted, put in prison, uh, persecuted, tortured. Uh, now he's in America. His grandson, Michael Bodea, is being his interpreter. Ben Kinslow was questioning Dimitri Dudeman about a lot of things, and then finally he couldn't hold back anymore. He said, just tell us, what's going to happen to America? And on that program, on the 700 Club, Dimitri Dudeman said, America, the storm, the one I saw, he said, America will become a land of storms, a land of storms. There'll be one storm after another, one storm. In the times of the end of this nation, it's going to be just multiple storms that will hit the nation, one after the other. I'll never forget that. Well, he also was the man that wrote about uh, the attack against the United States with nuclear bombs, nuclear attacks. He talked about who would nuke the United States of America in its final days. And today, 
everything that man said is lining up in perfection. There's not even a little schism. Well, what about this? It's not there. It's in perfection. I'm telling you this for a reason. So, we're living in the days where there are many antichrists, just as there have been 2,000 years ago from the beginning of time. But there's an antichrist, the antichrist, for the final end times, the end of the end of the ages, that is waiting in the wings. Whatever that means, his presence is near. His presence is near. And that kicks off some incredible stuff that's going to be going on in the atmosphere. Now, there are many antichrists that are already doing his bidding. There's a priesthood that's doing his bidding. His spirit, his mind, his soul, he has one, is imparted to the people worshiping him already. They've had others rise to do his bidding, i.e., you know, Adolf Hitler's and uh, or, or, or whoever these antichrists were, all right? Opponents of Yeshua, opponents of the Messiah. Remember, antichrist um, is an opponent of the Messiah, an opponent of the Messiah. And everything connected to Messiah. Yes, and I, I struggle with that because uh, what happened in Nazi Germany, uh, these were not Messianic Jews that were worshiping the Father through his Son. Uh, what happened in Nazi Germany was a little different. These were usually unbelieving Jews who, you know, kept to their own ways of doing things. And we're going to talk about it. And I, I want you to know that the information I'm about to share with you, um, you need to be judicial. You need to judge. And don't hold your ears. And don't just drink it in as truth immediately. Judge it. Weigh it. And always through the biblical lens, sift it, sift it through the biblical lens. Um, so I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. I've laid some groundwork uh, to the lovers of God, to the lovers of Jesus Christ. You need to know what time it is. Uh, remember 1 John chapter 2. Remember what we just read. And uh, keep it all in mind because you have an anointing. You have an anointing uh, to be able to stand in these evil, evil days. You have an unction. You have an unction. Praise God. All right. So here we go. I want to get into it just a little bit. Um, And I want to start with a man that you probably heard. And um, well, let's let's start here. Let's start here. I actually want it to be somewhere else, but let me um, begin here. Okay, so we don't want to be there. I want to get you the proper one, and I thank you for your patience. Uh, All right, so let's begin, because this has more scientific information um, about this issue. We're going to be talking about the Khazarian Mafia again. And this has scientific, factual information from a Christian man who was a radio host for many, many, many years. 
that uh, dove into a lot of this, this stuff, and this is his article, okay, I want to share with this is his article, and it's titled, The DNA, DNA, Unearths Stunning Secret. Jews are Khazars. Okay, that's how this article begins. With a scripture in Revelation 2.9, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Once again, God's word proves to be correct, and men everywhere are confounded. Many Christians believe that the people who today claim to be Jews, descendants of Abraham, were exactly what they claimed. They told us they were the chosen, the apple of God's eye. They insisted that their ancestors, their founding fathers, had been given title to the land of Israel in the old covenant made over 5,000 years ago, and many believed them. They shouldn't have. Christians should have read their Bibles and believed what God says. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul warned us there to beware in the Bible. He warned us there to beware of the foolishness of genealogies. He told us not to heed Jewish fables. He even made it clear that the old covenant had been replaced by the new covenant, which was Jesus himself. He stated that here we have no continuing city, that it was the heavenly Jerusalem to which the prophets and saints were looking toward. Yes, that was the promise God made to Abraham and to us, his children, the saints. As for those who claim to be Jews, who insist that they and their race alone are God's chosen and have the promise. Jesus did not miss words. He said twice in Revelation that these were not his people. They are liars, blasphemers, said our Lord and Savior. Again, Revelation 2.9, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And then in Revelation 3.9, Behold, I will make them a synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Hallelujah. Do you, dear saints, believe what Jesus Christ said? Do you believe the word of God? Do you have the promise given only to those of faith? Are ye of Christ? Then, says the scripture, regardless of your race, are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise? That's in Galatians 4, 28, 29. Yes, I believe. This is the indisputable word of God. And now, science, DNA science, has confirmed its amazing truth. DNA science, the mathematics of God, has confirmed that Jesus was absolutely telling us the truth. Them which say they are Jews are not Jews, but are the synagogue of Satan. This 
become clear with the advent of DNA research. In 2001, Dr. Aurelia Oppenheim and her team at Tel Aviv University released their study, which found that the Jews were mainly Khazars from Khazaria, a Caucasus country which is now called Kazakhstan, Georgia, and other names. The Khazarians converted from pagan religions to Talmudic Judaism after the 8th century. But of course, racially, they remain Khazars. The Khazars were and are a genome that is mainly Turkish and Mongolian blood. Thus today, when you see a Jew, quote-unquote, what you are actually encountering is a Khazar who practices Judaism. The Khazar has no Israelite blood. His ancestors are not the Israelites of the Bible. They did not worship the God, Jehovah, but instead literally were a phallic cult. They worshiped Satan by means of the male penis idol. The Khazars were never in the land of Israel. They are not the seed of Abraham. They have no promise from God. Now we know this as absolute scientific fact. In late 2012, yet another Israeli-born scientist, Dr. Iran El-Hayek of the McCusick Nathan's Institute of Genetic Science, John Hopkins Medical University, published his research in the Journal of Biology and Evolution. Considered by geneticists worldwide as the definitive study and peer-approved, this authoritative research confirmed Dr. Oppenheim's earlier findings and went even further. Quote, there are no blood of family connections among the Jews, reported Dr. Ohio. The various groups of Jews in the world today do not share a common genetic origin. Their genome is largely Khazar. Whatever Israelite blood the Khazar Jews have, added Dr. Eli, is minuscule. Like Dr. Oppenheim, Il Hayek's research connected today's Jews to the Turkic clans of Khazaria in the Russian Caucasus. The facts are, here's the facts, scientific DNA facts. Israel and America are populated by people saying they are Jews who are not Jews. They are Khazarians. When Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu claims God gave this land to our Israelite forefathers, he is not telling the truth. When today's Khazar Jews say they possess the land of Israel as a divine right, they are sadly mistaken. Indeed, El Hayek and Oppenheim found that the Palestinian people may have more Israelite blood coursing through their veins than do the people who say they are Jews. A DNA test would no doubt confirm this eye-popping fact. Now, the 
evangelicals have been duped. If only they had read and believed Jesus Christ, he told them what to look for in Revelation 2.9 and 3.9. He said that those who claim to be Jews are not Jews, but are blasphemers and the synagogue of Satan. The Khazars are not Jews, but they do practice Judaism. Like the Jews, their Babylonian Talmud and Kabbalah are satanic books which they insist are greater than the Torah and the Holy Bible. These heinous texts brand Jesus, listen, this is in the text, this is true, they brand Jesus a magician, liar, and a bastard burning in hell today. These texts admonish Jews to kill the best of the Christians who it is claimed are idolaters. Is this not blasphemy? Does this not prove the Bible is telling you and me the absolute truth? The Khazars despise and persecute Christians. They are indeed the synagogue of Satan. DNA science and the Jewish bloodline examine the Khazars, including the story of how they converted to Judaism. Evidence, all the evidence of the DNA studies, Dr. Elhayek and Dr. Oppenheim and other famous genetics researchers tell the truth. There's also an understanding and research of top Israeli and Jewish Khazar historian Arthur Kostler, whose book, The Thirteenth Tribe, is a classic and Shlomo Sand, history professor at Tel Aviv University, whose recent scholarly book, The Invention of the Jewish People, was a New York Times bestseller. So there's a lot more information. You will even read what Dr. Benjamin Friedman wrote about the Khazars and the Jews back in the 1950s in his well-known treatise, Facts Are Facts. So, best of all, DNA science in the Jewish bloodline explores the utter truth of God's word. What did Jesus and the apostles have to say about this final issue? Paul, the apostle, for instance, who told us to pay no attention whatsoever to foolish genealogies, but only to the cross of Jesus, says, Paul, he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is the outward in the flesh. So through inspiration of God, Paul wrote an epistle telling us that all Jew and Gentile who have faith in Jesus are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise of the getting down of faith. That, dear friends, is an indisputable fact that the world's greatest mathematicians and scientists cannot deny. It is the answer to every Christian who, reading the pages of DNA, science, and the Jewish bloodline, asks if the Khazars are the Jews, are there really any Jews in the world today? The Bible says if you belong to Jesus, your race or ethnic origin is of no consequence whatsoever. You are born again. You are a new person in Christ. We know the Bible means what it says. Now everything changes. All right, so this article that I just shared with you came from a man by the name of Tex Mars. I'm sure that people have heard of Tex Mars. Tex Mars did a lot of introspection into all of these different things, but he's not alone. Let's look at 
the Kazarian Mafia a little bit more in detail. All right, so I'm going to give you an article again about the Kazarian Mafia, and they are known as the most ruthless enemy of humanity. And I want to give you an editor's note, okay, the editor's note to this article. It is impossible to understand the ongoing controlled demolition of the American Republic without knowing about the Khazarian Mafia. Only by correctly comprehending the sheer depth and breadth of the international criminal conspiracy carried out and covered up by the Khazarian Mafia can we, the people, begin to defeat it. Therefore, the following excellent expose is provided to give but only a glimpse into the history of the utterly satanic new world order being foisted on the world community of nations by the globalist cabal. For it is the Khazarian Mafia and their Talmudic predecessors who now rule planet Earth, as they have for millennia, between five and six, via a worldwide tyranny of terror. All right, so State of the Nation, February 13th, 2021, required reading. Here we go. So there's going to be just a number of facts here, a number of statements made by different individuals. Nothing changes until those who secretly rule the U.S. are prosecuted for 9-11, JFK, Oklahoma City bombing, 5G, 5G towers, chemtrails, vaccines, COVID-19, Kazarians then, Kazarians now. So what this is saying is all these different things that are going on have been carried out by the Kazarian Mafia. Now, Preston James, who is a PhD of Veterans Today, this is the article, it is a well-established historical fact that Kazaria was destroyed by both Russia and Persia, now Iran, in approximately 1250 A.D., and with good reason. Many years of prior very stern warnings had been given by Russia and Persia with no changes by the Khazarians. You'll, you'll be familiar with this because this is part of the information we read last week. The reason for this final destruction of the kingdom of the Khazaria was that its rulers and its people ignored these warnings that were made jointly by Russia and Persia. Russia and Persia had reportedly instructed Khazarian leadership that Khazaria, as a nation and people, had to change from its evil, inhuman ways and stop parasitizing or parasitizing its neighbors or suffer complete destruction. Khazarians were known by those living in bordering countries to generally be liars, deceivers, cons, robbers, road warriors, rapists, pedophiles, murderers, identity thieves, and social parasites of the worst variety. Sounds like our modern leadership today. And to make matters worse, their ruler king, Bulan, B-U-L-A-N, did nothing to reverse this because he, too, was like them. When Khazaria was finally destroyed in about 1250 A.D., 
by Russia and Persia, it has been literally terrorizing, robbing, murdering, and parasitizing neighbors and travelers for over 500 years. So now you get the picture, this picture of the Khazars. They've been warned by Russia. In fact, we're going to see here that they were supposed to have taken on one of the three Abrahamic religions, whether it was Islam, Christianity, or Judaism, and they took on Judaism. That's why they call themselves Jews and or not. All right, so stay with the, stay with the storyline here. Now, these endemic Khazarian criminal behaviors were institutionally supported by their leaders and by the Khazarian culture. There was no rule of law in Khazaria, only the rule of manipulation, sociopathy, might, violence, and evil. Khazarians had repeatedly preyed on travelers at their borders or anyone who tried to travel through Khazaria. Traveling in or near or through Khazaria was usually a fatal mistake. Women were often raped and then murdered afterward or if young enough, taken as sex slaves. Khazaria was known by other surrounding nations as a lawless, evil nation that allowed the worst crimes against neighbors and travelers imaginable. Khazaria was known as the epitome of selfishness and evil from the king all the way down to the average citizen. It is now known for certain from peer-reviewed genetic studies done at John Hopkins that Khazarians carry absolutely no ancient Hebrew blood and are not Semites at all and never were. Khazarians' origin is believed to have been hybridization between Turks and Mongols with absolutely no genetic ties to the ancient Hebrews. It is truly interesting that these Khazarians have absolutely no ancient Hebrew blood at all. None. Although their leaders usually claim to carry ancient Hebrew blood and to be Semites when they are not Semites at all and have absolutely no ancestral rights to any land in the Middle East. About 80% of the Palestinians carry ancient Hebrew blood and thus are true Semites and hold an unbanded absolute ancestral right to all of Palestine, despite any Khazarian claims, which are all based on lies and political intrigue. Wow. So thus it is fair to claim that the Israelis are not only not Semites at all, but are the biggest anti-Semites in the whole world for their massive land theft of Palestinian land and genocide against Palestinians. And despite this stark reality, top Khazarians immediately accuse anyone that criticizes them or Israel of being anti-Semites, an obvious fallacy. Do you realize this is another part of history that has been buried? Remember we talked about it last week? They tried to eradicate this history, and yet it's coming out in the open in this time. And what would that actually mean? It would reverse and change everything, right? Well, we have to be students. We have to admit that even the elect of God can be deceived, so we have to be very judicial right now. We have to weigh historical data, DNA, scientific fact, 
We have to understand who these Khazars are, the Caesars of Rome, the Khazars. We're going to get to that. Very, very interesting. It is now becoming obvious to many that Israel is a deeply racist Khazarian state that is continuing the same anti-social criminal patterns that led to its destruction around 1250 A.D. The site of the Khazar fortress at Sarkal, sacked by Sviatsalov in 965, Okay, is, uh, there's a little picture here of it in the, in the study. Why did Russia and Persia destroy Khazaria in about 1250 AD? Why did they do it? Well, we heard a little bit about it. Here we go. The Russian and Persian leaders had enough. In about 750 AD, Khazaria's king, Bulan, was given an ultimatum jointly by both Russia and Persia that he had to select one of the three Abrahamic religions to clean up the Khazarian people. Khazarians at the time were known by those living in bordering countries to generally, this is all part of this repeating a little bit, to be liars, deceivers, cons, robbers, road warriors, murderers, identity thieves, and social parasites of the worst variety. And to make matters worse, their ruler did nothing to reverse this because he too was like them. So they repeatedly preyed on travelers at their borders or anyone who tried to travel through Khazaria. Now, let's get into deeper part. When the problem reached epic proportions and could no longer be accepted by the surrounding nations and peoples, the Russian and Persian leaders formed a coalition and delivered a stern ultimatum to the Khazarian king, Bulan. The ultimatum was that Khazaria, as a nation, had to immediately change in its ways. And to do this, King Bulan must select one of the three Abrahamic religions and institute as the official required Khazarian state religion. All right? So King Bulan was told in no no uncertain terms that the religion chosen must be indoctrinated in all Khazarians to serve as rules of conduct and as a basis for integrity and ethics that were previously completely absent. King Bulan agreed and selected Torah Judaism as Khazaria's official religion. This worked somewhat for a while, but soon Khazarians were drifting back to their old ways of national banditry, murder, gross parasitism of others from surrounding nations. Instead of working to establish morals and ethics in his nation by making a serious attempt to practice Torah Judaism, King Bulan and his top staff actually were inducted into the black arts and black magic of Babylonian Talmudism, better known as Baal worship or Satanism. Externally, this looks a lot like Torah, Judaism, and can be used as a false cover, which it was. All right, so remember last week as we were talking, and I don't know why these articles go over and over again, maybe to let us become aware of the kind of people they were. The thing that stands out isn't all their gross acts, it's their false identity. And that's why Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth, why is she so historic? She changes her identity. Where was she then? Where is she now? Well, we're going to get into it. So, 
The reason this choice by King Bulan failed to become a permanent solution to the Khazarian mass sociopathy was that he himself never really accepted or practiced only Orthodox Torah Judaism and merely displayed a phony outward appearance of such. Instead, he learned the black arts of Babylonian Talmudism, practiced the secret occult rites of satanic demonology to gain more power, wealth, and status. King Bulan's secret worship of Babylonian Talmudism, which is Baal worship and Satanism, was well disguised by his phony outward presentation of Orthodox Torah Judaism as cover. His heart was not in setting an example and leading his people away from the cultural sociopathy, inhumanity, and criminality Khazaria had become known for. At first, when the ultimatum was delivered jointly by Russia and Persia, the Khazarians backed off somewhat from their ways for a while, fearing destruction. But their culture remained the same. Their old ways of abusing, robbing, murdering neighbors started back up again, this time even worse than before. Finally, in about 1250 AD, the situation became completely unacceptable to both Russia and Persia, and they jointly decided to invade Khazaria and destroy it top to bottom. The current king and his court were warned by his spies and the top Khazarian nobility was able to flee with their great wealth of silver and gold before the invasion and destruction of Khazaria. It is hard to know all the details about where the Khazarian royalty went, but it appears that they continued practicing the black magic occult arts of Babylonian Talmudism and migrated to Italy and other Western European nations. Khazarian history has been carefully excised from most libraries in the Western world, and one must dig to find it. Fortunately, Solzhenitsyn documented a fair amount of Khazarian history before he died. And we're talking about Alexander Solzhenitsyn. The truth about King Bulan and Khazaria's destruction by Russia and Persia for its unrepentant evil is a closely guarded Khazarian secret even today, and Khazarian leaders greatly fear the disclosure of this to the masses. These Khazarian royals who specialized in Babylonian Talmudic Satanism participated in child sacrifice because they believed it would provide them with more and more satanic powers. The altars of idolatry through abortion, abortion is a satanic practice and it affords power and energy from the demonic spirits and that's why abortion that runs rampant in this world 90 million abortions in america was not a political issue it's a satanic issue and all the blood that is shed upon the altars of idolatry obviously is a uh energizing of the demonic and satanic power granted and then of course the pedophilia and all of the ritualistic satanic abuse of minors is used uh, to further their personal uh, uh, mass egotistical ways of power uh, by eating the hearts of little babies, drinking their blood, terrorizing them. These things are hidden from society, but they're beginning to come out, and they are gross, and they are terrorizing and terrifying, uh, but it is a reality, and this truth is coming out. I'm going to continue 
little bit more in this particular article. Pretty bizarre stuff, isn't it? And remember from last week, we were reading about the Khazarian Mafia, what's going on in Ukraine right now. These, and I may come up in this article right now, but the Khazars swore vengeance on Russia and on Persia, Iran, some other places. They swore revenge. Right now, the demonization of Russia in the news media, because the Khazarian Mafia owns all news media outlets. So the demonization of Russia, the false images that are coming out everywhere, you can't even have a good old-fashioned war and have it reported on in truth. They're exposing the false imagery, the demonization of Russia. The modern-day Khazars, the Caesars, the modern-day Khazars are still in power. They've just shifted their identity from where they were a long time ago. They've established themselves in other places, and they're in power today, and this is where we're going. So hold on. These top Khazarians became known as the world's greatest imposters, usually hiding in other groups by claiming to be part of that group's genetic and cultural heritage. Eventually, these Khazarian royals became adept at Babylonian Talmudic money magic, that is, making money from nothing by the use of pernicious usury. They often assumed the identity of Judaics and claimed to have ancient Hebrew blood when they had none and only carried Khazarian blood. Soon they became the Vatican's bankers and were known as Hoff Judah or court Jews by the various kings, queens, and royalty of the European nations. They were easily accepted by the old black European nobility families that hijacked the Vatican, who also practiced Babylonian Talmudism and gained power from the satanic dark side using secret child sacrifice. Cutouts and tools will only be sad when they are swept away. Will anyone be sad uh, sad when they are swept away? So the Khazarians became accepted as cutouts and tools of the old black European nobility who were also Satanists practicing black magic occult rituals. But it is clear that these Khazarians were easily accepted by the old black nobility because they worship Satan just like they, and share in the secret black arts and occult rituals, such as child sacrifice. Soon the Khazarians spread their way into the British royal families and other European royal families. These top Khazarian leaders became known for their expertise in political intrigue, human compromise, and blackmail, as well as the administration of hypnotic drugs and special poisons to create deaths and appear to be due to medical conditions. So as I'm reading this, it becomes obvious, right? It becomes just clear that the book of Revelation, by their sorceries, were all nations deceived. Do you ever wonder why America has such a bad drug problem? Why they never got rid of the crystal meth and, and the heroin and the, uh, you know, all the different drugs from cocaine? By their sorceries were all nations deceived. If you want to take over a nation, what do you do? You get everybody stoned. 
You want to control the black population? You send heroin into Harlem. You want to control people? It's drugs, drugs, drugs. Pharmacia drugs, pharmaceutical drugs, antidepressants, drugs, 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 drugs. Stop the voices in my head. Let me rest on my bed. Uh, it's all drugs, 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 drugs. So we're going to find out who's behind the drugs. Satan. But who's controlling it in the world in which we live? They gained control over the city of London when Napoleon was defeated and proceeded to eventually gain control over all Western world monetary creation distribution systems, which were all set up as private fiat systems with pernicious usury. These top Khazarian black magic occult masters hijacked the American monetary creation and distribution system by setting up their own private so-called banking system, the Federal Reserve system in 1913. This was done by using sophisticated bribery, blackmail, and human compromise schemes to gain enough votes in Congress and the President's support to pass this clearly illegal, unconstitutional aberration, the greatest financial crime in history, Khazarian kingpins established a beachhead in America. So the Khazarians came to America, 1913. Once the Khazarian kingpins established a beachhead in America, they were able to buy up, bribe, or human compromise almost all elected and appointed United States government officials. Those that didn't comply were sidelined or driven out by supporting competitors chosen by the Khazarian kingpins. Soon, all the American political, governmental, corporate, law enforcement, military, and intel systems were hijacked using the same methods. This has allowed the Khazarian kingpins to parasitize America, which in practice means making serfs and wage slaves out of most Americans with little recourse. America was then transformed as the Khazarian kingpin's tool to parasitize the rest of the whole world. And so well described by John Perkins, in his classic book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, the Khazarian kingpin's motto, buy everyone if possible, otherwise sidetrack them or kill them. Money creation and distribution systems were hijacked by the Khazarian kingpins called the money changers in every Western nation of the world. The Islamic nations refused to set up banking systems with pernicious usury, and that is why Islamic nations have been targeted for destruction by the Khazarian leaders ever since, i.e. 9-11-2001. Could it be true that they demonized the Muslim world and went on a global world war of terror because the Bush family is connected to the Khazarian mafia? I don't know. Let's keep reading. Let's see. The United States government is now being used to provoke any nation like Russia and China and some Mideast nations that refuse to let the Khazarians run their banking. Khazarian kingpins are called the leaders of the Rothschild Khazarian Mafia because that is what it is, a Khazarian Mafia run by the Rothschild family banksters who have been alleged to be high satanic masters. Conclusion of this article. History documents 
what the Khazarians were as a people back in the period of 750 AD to 1250 AD before Russia and Persia destroyed Khazaria for their unprecedented and unimaginably evil ways. Their rulers and their people in general were bad to the bone, suggesting that criminal psychopathology was institutional and culturally based. Others have claimed it is genetic too, but this remains to be studied scientifically. When King Bulin claimed to have selected Judaism for his own and as Khazaria's official state religion, he lied and promoted only an outward phony appearance of such while encouraging satanic black magic practices and unimaginably evil occult rituals such as pedophilia and child sacrifice and blood drinking. The question needs to be asked and answered. After well over 1,400 years, have the Khazarian bloodlines and their leaders changed their ways at all? Are they still a banded race of hijackers, impersonators, deceivers, cheaters, thugs, and murderers? Obviously, their top leaders have not changed at all and are in fact worse because now they have destroyed whole nations and peoples at will, using the American military as cannon fodder to commit genocide by war. Or have only their top kingpins and their chosen Khazarians undeservedly placed in top positions of remain so unimaginably evil and inhumane? Since Khazaria was destroyed in about 1250 AD, over 150 nations have booted out the Khazarians for their evil ways. Now, because of the internet, there is a growing awareness that the top Khazarians are anti-human thieves, mass murderers, deceivers, and parasites upon the whole world. The boycott, divest, sanction movements is evident of this growing awareness. It looks like soon the whole world will repeat the actions of Russia and Persia in dealing with the Khazarians. Yes, the whole world is getting informed fast about the, this Khazarian problem. The world's biggest problem and has just about had enough of the Khazarians' abuse and inhumanity. It's almost a certainty that the Khazarian city of London, private Rothschild fiat world banking system is going to soon be eliminated in the coming months. This alone will decapitate the Khazarian command and control and power base worldwide. Doubt this, then do some basic research on the BRICS, AIIB, Silk Road System, Shanghai Gold Exchange, and the recent erosion of the U.S. petrodollar system with Saudi Arabia accepting currencies beside the U.S. dollar. Khazarian kingpins always hold their timeless intergenerational grudge. The Bolshevik Revolution was revenge against Russia for its destruction of Khazaria in about 1250 AD. Approximately 80% of the Bolsheviks were godless Khazarians who raped, pillaged, tortured, and murdered over 100 million non-Khazarian Russian citizens. This, these Bolsheviks did the same thing to Germans when they entered East Germany at the end of World War II. It is a fact that Bolshevism was Khazarianism in disguise, same for Maoism. America has been infiltrated and hijacked by the Rothschild Khazarian Mafia, which is dead set on destroying the Christian and deist heritage of our founding fathers, along with our economy, borders, language, cultural, sex roles, and marriage. Khazarian, Khazarians have been the destroyers of society and everything that occurs naturally, that is, the natural order of things. 
unless Americans and citizens of the world wake up and displace these Khazarian kingpins from their highest positions of control that they obtained by hijacking, bribery, blackmail, and human compromise or murder, America is doomed, and so is the whole world. You're going to hear a lot more information. As I said at the beginning of the broadcast, it's not in my nature to go into these things and be curious. It's a calling at this moment to expose. And this information that has been brought up, obviously, is it true or is it not true? Are we to stay with the status quo that in 1948 the Jewish people returned from all over the world and they became a nation, thus fulfilling Bible prophecy of the fig tree putting forth its branches again? This is all the information we've been told, we've reiterated, we've taught, we've believed. Is that the truth? And are we the final generation to witness these things because we are that generation? Because if what we're reading is true right now, that would mean that the state of Israel is a proxy state of the Khazarians. Are there Jewish people there? Is there an Israeli heritage and a Hebrew heritage there? Yes, because there are many Palestinians there. The division is coming to separate the Palestinians and the Jewish people, quote-unquote. You know what it sounds like? Someone has been so rich in their deception, for the most part, people just don't know the truth. So we look at history. Why do we believe what they've told us? Because there was no contradiction until now. So is the contradiction the truth, or is it to upset the truth? For Christians around the world, people who are born again, I would imagine To many of us, it really doesn't matter because we belong to a new order of things. Thank you for that, Patricia Joy. But should we be ignorant? Because most Christians are preaching, as I have done myself, and may still continue to do, that Israel today is a phenomenal success of God Almighty to bring the Jews from all over the world in 1948, for the United Nations to ratify documentation to bring them back, and all the Jewish people came back. Or was it, and could it be, such a deep, satanic, ruler of the world deception to have created a nation just like they create money out of thin air, to create something, to be a base, to throw off so many different things and to promote different ideas. Well, I guess time will tell um, out of history. 
little bit more information. I, th I like this information because, again, this can be searched out. This is known as the brief history of the Khazarian Mafia. And here are just some, just some facts out there. <clears throat> you know what it's kind of starting to feel like? <clears throat> Have you ever been going along, minding your business, living your life, thinking you have a faithful spouse, thinking that you have really close friends or the people that you're with are genuine, and all of a sudden, a realization begins to dawn. My spouse has been committing adultery. My friends aren't really my friends, they were liars. And all of a sudden, that sense of <coughs> fear, revelation, understanding of something really bad begins to dawn. The possibility of that happening right now, people can't handle the truth and don't want to be awakened because they don't want to have to deal with that. So they'll just ignore and say, well, nobody knows. You know, why are we even talking about this? And just keep things as they are, the way that they presented them to us. See, anything outside the Bible is possibly a lie. And when you talk about these antichrists, the satanic worshippers getting direct information from Lucifer himself, from Satan, the devil himself, and he's instructing them to do through he's the god of this world. He deceives the whole world, the Bible says. In the book of Revelation, he deceives the whole world. And even the very elect of God can be deceived. So where is it critical that we are not deceived? Because if there's a deception that can rob us of our salvation, the devil would, would release that. So deception is just not a good thing. So here's a little history. And I like this. It says, unplugging from the matrix starts here. Unplugging from the matrix. 1855, ISIS formed by Sanusi family linked to the UK royals, the Khazarians. So the UK royals are the Khazarians, and ISIS was formed by the, uh, the, the Sanusi family linked to the UK royals. 1861, Merged with 322 skull and bones, Khazarians. Skull and bones were Khazarians. George Bush was a Khazarian, or skull and bones. Um, 19, from 1870 to 1930, Big Pharma, controlled by the Khazarians. 1871, the Act of England, the secret constitution placed by secret societies, the Khazarians. Who was on board? What really happened in 1912? The Titanic sinking. The Titanic Olympic sinking. Those who opposed the Federal Reserve were on board and were killed. Was it really an iceberg? 1913, the Federal Reserve. 1917, the Balfour Declaration was a public statement issued by the British government 
1917 during the First World War by the Rothschilds Khazarians. 1940, the McDonald's for the Khazarians. 1945 to 
this is a blessing, a real blessing for anybody out there that may need prayer. All right. So I want to bring that out onto the screen, and I'm going to put it up there now. So here you have in front of you a phone number. And what had happened was an individual uh, came to us who's an intercessor and loves to pray, is praying all the time, and, and wanted to bless this ministry by offering a gift. And the gift is for prayer. Um, it's something that we haven't done before. Um, people that are listening to this broadcast, you know, we're, we're all looking at some of this information, and, you know, that's, that's interesting. And we're going to find our way of truth, we will, by the grace of God and by the Holy Spirit. But there are people that are struggling in their lives. Uh, there are people that are going through major crises in their lives, personally, inwardly, maybe struggling with sin, maybe struggling with addictions, maybe, maybe struggling in their emotions, their soul realm, their thought life. A situation has arisen, they're afraid, they don't know what to do. There's a number there for you to call. Uh, we're not going to disclose who it is that's answering the phone. Um, this may actually, you know, broaden itself a little bit. But if you need prayer today, you make sure you call this number, 479-233-3774. 479-233-3774. Or text that number and leave your phone number in a brief description of what you'd like to talk about. Um, and I, that's something that, again, this was presented, and I think it's a great idea. I think it's something that God wants done. Um, obviously, you know, we're pastors at New Wine Ministries, and so we don't need people from New Wine Ministry calling that number. We're available to our church. This is for people that maybe you haven't been to church. Maybe you don't have a pastor. Maybe um, you just need prayer. And, of course, there may be some silly stuff going on once in a while. I would hope not. But I would pray that very sincere uh, people that need help and need prayer would take advantage of this in a good way. And uh, I'm sure there will be good discernment, and um, others will be assisting at this, with this at certain times. So, having said that, I want to keep that alive right now. I want to go back to our comments. I want to say who's saying hello today. Uh, right now we have the world of nobody. I believe that's Terry saying good morning. Carol Page is saying good morning. Saints, good day to be alive in Christ. Amen. Pastor Jenny Sossaman, uh, the will of God cannot be done if truth offends you. Just repeating the word. That's right. Truth could be very offensive, no doubt. Uh, Cindy Messman, good morning. Good morning. Trent Sawyer, home today. All right. Whoever Trent Sawyer may be, we'll find out. Shirley Wolseley is with us this morning. Good morning, Shirley. Melissa Fletcher, good morning, church. Good morning, Pastor Melissa. Uh, Terry says, I believe God's word is true. Promise made to Ephraim and Manessa will be the greatest people. Other a great company of people, USA, UK, are the fulfillment of the prophecy of sins to the 10. Okay, not sure. I, I think I understand that. Uh, we'll look into that. Brett Weiner, a uh, whole load of shocking going on. A whole lot of shaking going on. Brett, that's right. Let go of what is not godly, and you'll be all right. Amen to that. That's where I settle all these things. Uh, we have somebody here, so I can't even pronounce that, but hello from Rata or Kichkanakwa. Kevin Alger saying good morning. Pastor Melissa said amen. Uh, so right, Pastor, says Terry, 
our republic has been subjugated to whims of Khazarian money leaders, aka Nazis today. Putin uh, said, uh, denazify. That's what America needs, just like video JFK to 9-11. It's a rich man's world. Okay. Uh, Sandra Matlow, I've been trying to tell every one of my friends that Jesus is coming back soon, but no one believes me. They don't want to hear it. Don't be dismayed. Keep on preaching the good news. Uh, world of nobody. Okay, so let's see. There's something else here. I've got to get down to the bottom. Learn can't post it, but uh, I don't know why that happens. It's really strange. Uh, trip now. America became Nazified. Oh, uh, learn more. Got to see more. There it is. All right. So let's go. Okay. So for some reason, it's not letting me get all the way down to read the rest of the comments. Uh, a little more. Can't do that now. Let's go down. Da, 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 da. All right. So um, I can't get any more comments in there. We've heard a lot today. I'm going to wait for your calls to come in. I'm going to open the telephone line right now. The number to call is 818-369-0326. You can call into that program. Right now, if you have a question or a comment, I'm going to put that number on the board. Make sure you write down the number that you have. Uh, right now, 818-369-0326. What are your thoughts about it? Uh, you know, this, this seems to have struck a nerve. What are your thoughts about what we have shared today? What are your, what are your thoughts? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we don't want to get curious. Uh, we don't want to just get involved in, in things, but if it's true that Mystery Babylon is indicative of the Khazarian Mafia, and the Khazarian Mafia is the world rulers today cloaked in deception and lies and all of that, which is hard to believe, what does it mean to Christians? What does it mean to us? Stay the course, right? Absolutely. Any thoughts? Waiting for your call. This is your time to voice your understanding, your question, a comment, 818-369-0326. What does this have to do with the Ukraine? What does it have to do with Russia? I get the eerie kind of feeling sometimes that things are darker than usual. I got a call coming in just in the nick of time. Let me take this call. Coming in from area code 219. I believe this is our dear friend, Brother Don Ho. Good morning, Don. God bless you, sir. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. What's going on? What do you think? God bless you, too, Pastor. You know, as you were talking about the uh, silent Jews, I started thinking about Hitler. I wanted, that's what Hitler was trying to do by exterminating those people. What do you think? Well, I thought the same thing. Um, you know, there's been a, a demonization against him, against the Jews, and it brought an outcry. Um, but if they were the Khazarians that he was dealing with, and uh, I don't know, it's a great question. If it was the Khazarians, then he was only doing what Russia had done to stop them from doing what they were doing. Uh, we just don't have that history yet. Very interesting, though. Yeah. Let me think about that. So talk to us. What else is happening? What do you, what's your intel What's going on? Uh, the convoy in D.C.? The news media has completely blocked that out. Um, the images that we're seeing on television seem to be false images about what's going on in Ukraine. Um, there's so much deception right now. 
and propaganda, what are you sensing? Well, it is, it's like a blizzard of deception, you know, you, <laughs> you get to a point where uh, there's a few basic things I think you can believe. Uh, number one, uh, I got to tell you, I, I, I don't like war, I hate war, but uh, war comes with a lot of things, unfortunately, that's, that's just history. And... Uh, I I really believe that all Putin is trying to do is to protect Russia. I really believe that. As a matter of fact, uh, when he first, just before he went in, hours before he went in, uh, he contacted Zelensky and they told him, uh, there's a few things that I want here and I won't obey. And he said, number one, I want you not to join NATO. And number two, I don't. I want security guarantees that there will be no missiles placed in the Ukraine, no U.S. missiles, uh, which is perfectly understandable because in '63 we got into a Russia over the same same thing. It's called the Cuban Missile Crisis. Putin even brought that up to the Soviets. You get one, I to put missiles in Cuba to hit the United States. But we don't, and, and you're going to invade Cuba and go to World War III with this nuclear war. We'll come that close in for 10 days. You know, yeah, it's looking pretty bad. And, uh, and now we don't want missiles five minutes away from Moscow. And, uh, that's what you're going to do. So we want some security guarantees. And uh, we'll shut down. If you're not going to give you anything, we're not going to give any security guarantees. And I don't know. Matter of fact, uh, we're going to be going to accept this. Uh, that at the time they're classified in an aspiring NATO nation. But uh, NATO. One point ready to take that step to take them in because they knew they would get into it with Russia big time, which they have now. And, uh, and, and of course, the, the, the two breakaway uh, districts of uh, the Donbass region of uh, Jamal, uh, they want to be independent. So Putin uh, says, did you guarantee that? Guarantee that you know he's not going to put down these people and mess with them because they want to be part of Russia, they want to be independent, and they want to invade them. So, uh, so let's be contacted uh, Washington and the UK British government and told them about the uh, confirmation. I guess he had four hours to decide, and uh, both countries told him to ignore the deadline. So he did, and two hours after the four-hour uh, time limit, he got an invade. Uh, and where they were, they were in the mask and tried to screw them, while the, UK, the Ukrainian army just started bombing and, and uh, murdering uh, the city even worse, and uh, told them to knock it off, we could have it right here. We just want you to put picking on the two districts, and uh, they won't do it. They want to do it. And see, that's the thing of the 
only thing I can, the only thing I would say about that is the, if it happens, number one, don't look at the fireball because it'll blind you. Go underground, but you're not in the blast because you won't be a spot only. But let's say that you're 20 miles away from a nuclear weapon that goes off the playground in the city. Go underground for three days. If you're not in what they, if the wind isn't blowing towards you, if it's blowing away from you, you're okay. But if the wind, like I live right outside Chicago, the wind's always blowing from the north to the south, right on the me. I have about 25 minutes to get underground because of that nuclear cloud. It will go 35,000 to start pushing down to 250 miles. So the radiation you have to worry about, it, it will fall out. Gamma radiation. It's the same kind of radiation they stick in you when they test your heart in the hospitals. So three days after you get tested in the hospital, you will light up radiation detectors in the hospital. We will tell you that. It's much more concentrated on fallout. So for three days, you got to stand it down. The good thing about gamma radiation is after three days, the nuclear half-life disappears. It's gone. You don't have to worry about it anymore. I've, I've read that in Chernobyl, when Chernobyl went off, and that reactor went off in Russia, it burned right out into the open air. If those people would have just told, been told that, that they could just stay in your house for three days, that they, most of them would have survived. But they're out there walking around and everything. Because the government wasn't telling them anything. The Russian government wasn't. The American government isn't telling us a thing. And uh, you just kind of wonder uh, what they're thinking. Is this what they want? Do they want the United States to be depopulated? Is that their goal? Yeah. And this is a shot. Yeah. So before we jump into that, John, uh, uh, Don, I just want to say something here. I titled this message today, Global world powers making their move. The world is now bracing for the arrival of the Antichrist, the one who will have rule over all the earth for three and a half years. The panic is beginning to set in as multitudes are unprepared to face the unprecedented times that are coming on the earth. There is a strangeness in the atmosphere, and while many do not understand what it is, those who are awakened to the truth of Scripture are aware that this strangeness, this ominous funk, is completely satanic and evil. What happens next will be the next step in the evolution of the coming of Lucifer, the Lord of all evil. Are you ready? And what I want to say to that real quick is that there, you, you do get that sense, and the idea that this, you know, the powder cake could blow all over the world, and you know, we're talking about wars. We're talking about the rumors of wars that are that are coming. Uh, rumor, not in a secret, you know, thing, but it's the reality of war. And we're we're noticing that soon. I mean, in a day, a week, any any time, uh, there could be the mobilization of military powers uh, all over this world. And suddenly, out of the theme of the Book of Revelation, this World War Three that everybody talks about. Uh, the annihilation, it will depopulate the earth, and we know that out of the ashes uh, of this kind of war and these prophetic things that are said to come, uh, there will arise a global new world order with uh, Satan at the helm, and everything will be different and everything will change. 
statistics, and I've got a couple of other calls as well. Uh, so just holding tight, 916, you're on the air. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm on the road right now. I'm just hoping that my phone signal remains consistent and doesn't get garbled. I'm going to okay, take my okay. best shot. Yeah, go for it. We've got about two minutes, and then blood talk will, blood talk will shut off. So give, give it to you. I feel good. My comment is that, you know, this is really, really a significant discussion about the Khazarian Mafia and I was born and raised Jewish. If I were to find out that I were not in fact Jewish, that I were some other race or some other strain of human being, then I would be pretty disappointed. And I would be tempted to, um, oh gosh, I would be tempted to be angry. Okay, having said that, what I have been hearing in my spirit for many, many months now is that deception is a huge key element in the falling away of believers from the word and the falling away of believers from the church. Deception is Satan's, I believe, number one tool to cause believers to fall away. So I think the long and the short of it, Pastor, is that individuals, it's really the responsibility of each individual believer to really remain close to the word of God so that anything and everything else that they have understood all their lives that has been said to them by the media, be it radio or newspaper or television or internet, there's such a huge possibility that that information is false. It's the responsibility of the believer to go directly to Scripture, directly to the Bible, directly to the Word of God, and trust the Word of God, and to not trust any other source of information. Only in this way, I do think that one, every single believer, one believer, ten believers, can avoid falling away from the Word if they don't fall prey to the misunderstandings that are sown by Satan. And that's my that's my um, that's right. my spiel, Pastor, and I'm sticking to it. It's a good spiel, and I thank you for sharing it. God bless you. You know, the bottom line of what I hear both of the Don and I, I hear Mark saying is that Jesus Christ said, when you see this climate, when you hear this conversation, don't let your heart be troubled, but know that it is another sign of the times of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means don't be deceived. Walk the walk. Because he's a hearer of the word and not a doer. Deceives himself. This is huge. So we all just need to be walking and kind of getting ready with a giddy enthusiasm of the Lord is coming. I'm going to meet the Lord, the Lord, my Savior, the Lord, the one I've talked about my whole life. He's coming. And I'm going to see him. And when, I, when he asks me for account, I'm going to give him an account that's going to just, he's going to be thrilled with it. And Lord, I didn't do this, and I didn't do that, and I did this, and I did that. Lord, I did it all for you. I did it all for you, Jesus. Father God, I can't wait to be with you. That Jesus reconciled me to you. I mean, this should be the time of getting cleaned up, not a casual, oh, you know, 
you, and we'll look forward to it. I'm so sorry we can't take any other calls. We're off on Block Talk Radio as far as uh, diversity. Uh, so, Don, Mark, thank you. Callers that we're calling in, thank you. We'll catch up tomorrow. Shalom and God bless. And please remember, if you would like to support this ministry on the screen, you can send your offering, your gift to PO Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas. It's on the screen, 72722. Remember that number that if you needed help in prayer, make sure you call that number. And again, you can go to our website at nwmglobal.org, nwmglobal.org under the donations tab. You can also go to omegaradio.org, and there you can give to this ministry as well. Uh, today is my daughter's birthday, Danielle Marie Xavier. I want to say Danielle, if you're tuning in and watching, you little Athena Grace, happy birthday. I love you. Mom loves you. We love you. Have a super blessed day there in California. I know it's a little bit funnier and nice out there. And we'll look forward to seeing you real soon. So God bless you, Danielle Marie. And uh, have a super blessed day. And to all the saints of God, have a super blessed day. Let's get it right. Every one of us need to get it right. Another day to get it right. And may the Spirit of the, of the Lord give us the wisdom and the ability when the enemy comes in like a flood to raise up a standard against him. Keep going in the right direction.
coming out of their own imagination. They're coming out of their own mind. And I think that could be very easy for just about anybody to do that. But you and I have learned that if we, by the Holy Spirit, can speak out from the Word of God to let God be true and every man a liar, we will be okay. We will be able to understand the times that we are living in. So I am going to go into the Word today in uh, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and my purpose is to take everything that we've been saying, everything that we've been hearing, the things that are being said, the things that we are hearing, and sift them through the Word of God. We want to sift them through the Word of God. So I'm going to very quietly, very softly, tone it down, way, way down. I want to invite you to grab your Bible this morning and go on a journey with me because I believe this is critical. Uh, We're hearing this everywhere in our hearts, our minds, our conversations here at home, and we want to make sure that we get this right, okay? So without further ado, I want to begin this morning um, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 13. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 13. And so without further ado, welcome to the broadcast. And here we go. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to be reading out of the living translation. And when it comes to the Old Testament, if you want to call it that, right, uh, what we uh, call the Old Testament, uh, I'm very good with that. And there's even some scriptures I want to read in the uh, New Testament out of the living translation today. You could do the homework. And by the way, I just wanted to make sure uh, we will be putting the prayer line up there again today. Make sure people have an opportunity to pray uh, or receive prayer. Uh, And it's already begun to work, so we praise God for that. And um, I just, uh, here's what I want us to do today. I want us to put on the full armor of God. I want us to cover our hearts and our minds. Um, This is God's will for our lives. And that we can receive information from the Holy Spirit. And one thing I've learned in my life, and I've got a lot more to learn, but the one thing I've learned is that the Holy Spirit never speaks apart from the Word of God. Uh, when somebody gets something from the Holy Spirit, man, there's got to be two or three witnesses in the Word. Uh, and let every word be established by two or three witnesses. And so if the Holy Spirit's telling you something, make sure you check it with the Word of God. Um, very, very important to do. I remember walking through the park in 2003, and I heard in my spirit as clear as you can hear my voice right now, and the unction was there, and the spirit said, do not pray for America anymore. Rather, pray for my people that are in this nation to navigate through the days ahead. Well, I heard it. It was so clear that I immediately referred to the word of God. Is there any place in God's word where God says not to pray for people? And sure enough, in Jeremiah, three times God told the prophet Jeremiah, do not pray for this people, I will not hear you. And then Jesus said, I do not pray for the world, but I pray for mine who are in the world. So there was a witness to what I heard, and I believe that's super important for us today because there's a lot of deception. The fact of the matter is there is a lot of deception. Deception, if we're not careful, can come out of our own mouths, even though it's unintended. Deception we can, we can receive it into our hearts and not intending to be deceived, but we can be. And so we live in such a critical time in spiritual warfare that our heart and mind must be in a position to receive from the Holy Spirit and to remember that Satan comes. 
comes as an angel of light. Satan comes as an angel of light. Okay? And so you have to have a conviction in your own spirit as to who you are in Christ. I need to have a conviction in my spirit as to who I am in Christ. And we need to be drawing out of the word of God, especially in these last days, because these are the days that Jesus said the very first thing when he was commenting on the end times. He said deception. He said many false teachers, many false Christs, many false prophets are going to arise. So I want to deal with this issue. And I want to begin in Ezekiel chapter 13. There's a thousand different places that we can launch out on this discussion today. But Holy Spirit last night gave this. Okay, so I want to share it with you today. And then we're going into the New Testament. And then we're going to have a conversation about it. So, and again, for those of you wanting to see Brian and Kathy, we were told last week that they needed two weeks to get settled in. So hopefully next Wednesday they'll be joining us on the air. So let's not forget about our dear friends and missionaries, Brian and Kathy, who are now in the great state of Tennessee. And uh, don't forget Pastor Kevin Honeycutt, uh, who has uh, recently lost his beloved wife after 34 years, uh, keeping them in prayer and God lifting them up and releasing and walk through with them in prayer. God bless you for doing so. And um, remember them that are sick. Remember those that are uh, in need, those that have needs. Uh, Just remember the poor. Remember the suffering. Remember people that are not as fortunate, perhaps, as you and I are today. Let us be reminded and find ways to help them. You know, I, I want to tell you something before I get into this Bible study. Um, we aren't content with what God gives to us in our lives, but there, every once in a while, needs come in our direction, and there's a lot of needs. People need places to live. They need homes. They need food. They need shelter. They're both men. They're both women, and, you know, our ministry has done everything it knows to do throughout the years to provide everything we possibly can into the needs of the saints. One of the things I would really like to accomplish um, is to purchase land and be able to take care of people that are homeless and have no food and have no shelter and have no clothing. Uh, We have an organization, it's called United Christian Charities, and through United Christian Charities, we have, uh, this is a 501c3 nonprofit public benefit corporation uh, with the tax exemption status from the IRS. This is United Christian Charities. This is not our church. This is not any of that. But this organization, it was designed to prepare for disaster relief. It was designed for uh, taking care of the widow and the orphan. And uh, it's, it's here. It's available. We don't speak much about it. Uh, there was a time a few years ago where it was activated and we fed over 60,000 families right here in northwest Arkansas. And we just ran out of steam. Uh, we ran out of help. We didn't have enough help to get that, to keep it going. Uh, we were in uh, alignment with the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank. We would get, we would purchase food for, from them uh, at a decent price, and then we would fill our pantry, and then people would come all week long, and we fed 60,000 families. And uh, <clears throat> afterwards, like I said, we just ran out of the ability to continue going on. But that organization is still there. And I, I would imagine that a day would come where somebody would donate a million dollars into United Christian Charities, they'd get their tax exempt status, and then you 
United Christian Charities would buy land and begin to build those shelters. And then people that have needs uh, that are truly, you know, that God brings into our sphere of influence, uh, we could bring them to a place where there's, you know, oversight. Uh, there's Bible study. Um, there's work to do, take care of the cows and the chickens and plant the gardens and, you know, build little structures with their talents. <clears throat> I believe that there are a lot of homeless people that have pretty decent skills, and they're just treasures that are buried in, you know, the conditions that they're in. So that, you know, it's not where we're going today, but it's definitely something that we should always be considering, uh, people that are just less fortunate, people that are finding themselves in places, and uh, maybe you and I at some time in our life were in a place where we just needed help. And there was some place to go. I know it's not without challenge. I know that taking care of homeless people or people uh, that are in dire needs, people are different uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, personally, they're different. Um, but Jesus is the same, and he's the one that reaches out. And we should be his hands and his feet. And as far as our church is concerned, we do the best we can to help everybody we can when the need rises. Um, United Christian Charities, pray about that, UCC, uh, because there's a lot of work we can do, not just for people that are, you know, refusing to, you know, get along, but people that are really hurting, people that are really suffering and really need help. Um, we want to be there for them. So we'll talk about that on another day. Um, it's important. Um, Ezekiel chapter 13. Ezekiel chapter 13. Here we go. You ready? Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the false prophets of Israel who are inventing their own prophecies. Say to them, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. What sorrow awaits the false prophets who are following their own imaginations and have seen nothing at all? O oh, people of Israel, these prophets of yours are like jackals digging in the ruins. They have done nothing to repair the breaks in the walls around the nation. They have not helped it to stand firm in battle on the day of the Lord. Instead, they have told lies and made false predictions. They say, this message is from the Lord. But I have not even spoken to them. Or even though the Lord never sent them. And yet they expect him to fulfill their prophecies. Can your visions be anything but false if you claim this message is from the Lord when I have not even spoken to you? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Because what you say is false and your visions are a lie, I will stand against you, says the sovereign Lord. I will raise my fist against all the prophets who see false visions and make lying predictions. And they will be banished from the community 
of Israel. I will blot their names from Israel's record books, and they will never again set foot in their own land. Then you will know that I am the sovereign Lord. This will happen because these evil prophets deceive my people, saying, all is peaceful. And when there is no peace at all, it is as if the people have built a flimsy wall. Prophets are trying to reinforce it by covering it with whitewash. Tell these whitewashers that their wall will soon fall down. A heavy rainstorm will undermine it. Great hailstones and mighty winds will knock it down. And when the wall falls, the people will cry out, what happened to your whitewash? Well, let's have a little bit of a conversation before I proceed. Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 1 to 13 so far. What is God saying is happening in the land of Israel? Well, if we go back to that time, there was nothing but judgment in the land. There was, there was nothing but problems. But these false prophets were coming to the people and telling them everything is going to be all right. Everything is fine. Peace. And yet there was no peace to be found because God was bringing his judgment through whatever mechanism he chose upon the people because of their sin. So the people were building a flimsy wall and a wall always represents salvation. When the Bible talks about walls, walls are for protection, walls are for defense, walls are always speaking of salvation. And so if you would take this message about the people building a flimsy wall, it was a false sense of security. It's kind of like the message of the gospel that's taught today about our salvation. It's so flimsy, the wall that they're building, the salvation that they're teaching, that it won't stand in the day of conflict or pressure. But what the false prophets do to the flimsy gospel, the salvation that's taught that's so greasy, if you will, is they whitewash it to make it look like a solid wall. So whenever a preacher or a teacher or a prophet or an apostle or an evangelist or a pastor or any minister or anybody meets up with an individual who is double-minded, lukewarm, compromised, and says to them, you're saved, your salvation, and that's about as flimsy as it gets, and then they whitewash it with, you know, whatever they use to make them feel or look like they're saved. But in reality, the Spirit of the Lord is saying, no, this wall is no good. This wall is going to fall. This whitewashed wall that the false prophets have whitewashed, making you believe that you're saved, that it's strong enough, it's not saved. Now, in the New Testament, we know that Jesus said that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. We know that the scriptures teach us that there will be a defecting from the truth, a, an apostasy, a falling away. We know that there are people that have been once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were filled with the Holy Spirit and partakers of the, of the powers of the world to come. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance is impossible. So we have all this biblical information about many will come to me in that day and say, 
say, Lord, Lord, we've done all these things in your name. And he says, I don't know you. In other words, their salvation was never real. Their salvation was never solid. The wall that they built, the salvation that they took in, was never solid. It was not a substantial defense. It was not a, a, a protection. It was not a salvation from the storms of life. No, they had built a flimsy wall. False prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, whoever, came in and daubed at that wall with whitewash. They made it look like it was really good, but it was a facade. This is exactly what Ezekiel, God is telling Ezekiel to say to the children of Israel, because these false prophets were telling them everything's going to be okay. Now, it's obvious to me that we're living in the same kind of atmosphere today, that God is speaking to our nation for many, many years about the coming judgment, the coming storm, while many of the false prophets have been proclaiming peace and safety, a great revival, a great restoration. You know, it's all going to get really, really good and the money is going to flow again, and all these things, and Donald Trump is coming back, and he's going to lead the way. We hear this all the time. We hear this from one person after another whose prophecies, quite frankly, and at the level they were at, it makes it even more difficult for them, they fail in some of their prophecies about Donald Trump getting a second term, and they won't let it go, so they keep going, and the masses keep following them, and there's a reason for it. And yet there were a few that were saying, no, He's not going to win the election. You know, Joe Biden is going to win the election. God has revealed that to me. Donald J. Trump was a, an accelerant to accelerate end-time events, to fast-forward everything to where we are today. And so God was speaking judgment. You've murdered 90 million innocent babies. You've shed innocent blood. You have men marrying men and women marrying women. You are you know, the blasphemy flowing out of Hollywood, the churches that are lukewarm, dumbed down, they don't want to hear. They shut down when a trial came in their direction. So the fruits of the prophets that were declaring the righteous judgment of God upon a nation and a church in the nation that has sinned grossly against the Lord, they have a flimsy salvation in their own hearts. It's flimsy. Their mentality is flimsy. Their emotion is flimsy. Their actions are flimsy. Their salvation is flimsy. It's not real. It's weak. And it's dangerous because when the storm does come, let's pick it up again in verse 13. In verse 13 of Ezekiel 13, therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will sweep away your whitewashed wall with a storm of indignation, with a great flood of anger, and with hailstones of fury. I will break down your wall right to its foundation, and when it falls, it will crush you. Again, walls represent salvation. There's a false salvation. There's a false security of the unbeliever who says they believe, but in action and fruit do not believe. Now, he went on to say, then will you know that I am the Lord. At last, my anger against the wall and those who covered it with whitewash will be satisfied. So God's anger is going to, you know, God doesn't like it when people take the potency of his son, who is salvation. Yeshua, Jesus, is our salvation. And when when we apply him and we make him weak and we make him flimsy and we make him lukewarm and double-minded and white, you know, when we 
I mean, and the examples range uh, range from A to A to Z. So before we get into that, now this is this is kind of disheartening here. This part of this um, in verse 19, you bring shame on me among my people for a few handfuls of barley or a piece of bread. So it's a shame against God to tell people lies and put them under a spell so that they're taking care of your needs. By lying to my people who love to listen to lies. Oh, that broke my heart. By lying to my people who love to listen to lies, you kill those who should not die, and you promise life to those who should not live. My people, God said, love listening to lies. And it's true. They say to the prophets, speak to us smooth things. Tell us things that we want to hear. Don't tell us things are hard to hear. In the New Testament, it's very clear. People will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Okay? So the whole idea from God's perspective is that his people in that particular climate that Ezekiel was in, as they were in the judgment and, 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 and captivity, and it was really, really bad, these guys are coming around telling them all this good stuff to make them feel, oh, oh, I feel so much better. Thank you. Keep telling me lies. And they love listening to the lies because it gave them some relief from the judgment and the conviction of what was happening to them. And today, where people should be deeply convicted by their lifestyle and by what they're doing, they're stuck in the rut, and they're not really able to get out of it because there's been no truth that if you continue in this sin, you will surely die, and you will die a second death. You are not going to heaven if you live and practice in sin. And yet because people are afraid to teach that today because you don't make a lot of friends and influence people that way, and you won't get rich by telling that truth, people love to be lied to. And isn't that kind of scary? They lie to my people who love to be lied to. Who weren't perfect. But God had something to say about that. And by the way, he was telling them that should, you know, that he, he was doing what? You kill those who should not die. In other words, the false prophets who preach peace and safety and seduce God's people actually kill the true prophets that are speaking the truth. The true prophets who are saying, repent of all your sin. Repent. Turn to the Lord. Turn. Receive the atonement. Let the wall of your salvation be solid. Let it protect you from within and without. Repent. Uh, Tell the nation that is shedding innocent blood and committing abomination and blasphemy, that his day of doom is coming. Well, you see, they, they kill those people. They hate them. They ridicule them. They put them down. People love this, right? So God goes on to say, those that should die, you're keeping alive with your false visions and dreams. People that are sinning, they're going to die. They should die for what they're doing, yet you keep telling them that peace and safety. Verse 20. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against all your magic charms, and there's a lot of magic in the body of Christ today, in the church, you know, the general thing we call the church. I'm not talking about a remnant or an ecclesia of the true, genuine body of Christ. But there is a lot of witchcraft. There's a lot of new 
new age. There's a lot of metaphysical thought. There's a lot of stuff that has been hijacked by the enemy, twisted and turned, and people are wanting to get in on it and feed on it, but it's not real. It's been turned around into a magic charm or a magic veil. You know, you know there's so many ideas, and I, I don't want to get into them. You know them. So he says, I'm against all your magic charms, which you use to ensnare my people like birds. I will tear them from your arms, setting my people free like birds set free from a cage. There are people that are ensnared in their souls because of the magic charms. And what does that mean? What does it look like? Well, when a false prophet or a false teacher tells people peace and safety when they're living in sin, their souls are in bondage to demons because their sin is a legal right for the enemy to come in and ensnare their souls. So by false information, peace and safety, even though I sin, I'm going to heaven even though I sin. In reality, behind the scenes in their soul, they are captured. They're in bondage. They are tormented. There's a conviction because the Holy Spirit would never go along with the program of go ahead and sin, it's okay, and you're still going to heaven. That's never the Holy Spirit. Ever. So God says, I'm going to rescue my people. And I'm going to set them free by telling them the truth. And the truth is going to convict them. And they're going to confess and they're going to cry out. They're going to weep at the altar. And they're going to be broken for the things that they have done. You know, King David was a very deceived man. The apple of God's eye, right? He was a very deceived man until Nathan, the true prophet, came and exposed him. And he cried, cried out to God, and he repented. Thank God. And we know the rest of that story. So God says, I'm going to set them free. I will tear off the magic veils and save my people from your grasp. They will no longer be your victims. Now, we're going to talk about this in the New Testament in just a moment. How were these people victims? Well, the false prophets were telling them peace and safety while they were living in sin. And they would pay the prophets to tell them this. They pay the big motivational speakers to tell them lies. They tell them a gospel that is partially true, but not completely true. Balance is the key to everything. So, there no longer be your victims. Then you will know that I am the Lord. You have discouraged the righteous with your lies. See, righteous people are discouraged when lies are promoted. And when lies are promoted, it's not just a he said, she said, point the finger, let's have a division, who's right? No, righteous people who have been made righteous by the finished work of Jesus Christ, quite frankly, righteous people in the Old Testament who obeyed the law of the Lord, and repented for any sin in their life, they felt the conviction of God. Righteous people are grieved by the lies. And that's what it says. You have discouraged the righteous with your lies because, hey, everybody else is out there sinning. You know, we're trying to to be rigidly righteous and do what is right before God, and yet all these false prophets are telling these people that are unrighteous that their unrighteousness is okay, and they're going to be afforded a salvation, so why should we even try? It's kind of like socialism. You know, you're in a classroom, and everybody's got to study for the test. You've heard this story. And there are a few people that are studying.
fucking laboring day and night, and they ace the test, they get 100. Then there are people that were smoking dope, they didn't study at all, they got an F, but because of the socialism, everybody gets the same grade. We're going to level it out to a B or a C. And so the people that studied were going, well, they failed, and yet they're getting the same grade we're getting. This is a discouragement. It, it makes people think that are really running the race. I'm repenting of everything. I'm closing the world out. I'm protecting within. I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm seeking God. I'm reading. I'm studying. I'm, I'm in fellowship. I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I'm guarding my mind. I'm rebuking thoughts. I'm getting demons cast out of my soul. I'm laboring. Well, the guy next to him was like, that's such a waste of time, man. All that is just works. We're all going to heaven. Don't worry about it. That is a discouragement to the righteous. But I did not want them to be sad. This is what God said. You discourage the righteous, but I didn't want them to be sad. You discourage them with your lies. And you have encouraged the wicked by promising them life, even though they continue in their sins. Well, there is everything I've been saying is written right there. You actually discourage the righteous. You encourage the wicked by promising them life or salvation, even though they continue in their sins. That is just not the truth. It wasn't in the Old Testament. It's not in the New Testament. Because of all this, you will no longer talk of seeing visions that you never saw. Nor will you make predictions, for I will rescue my people from your grasp. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Do you know how many people are walking on this earth that have gone to a church or went to some big prophetic meeting that some man told them something? And most likely they were speaking to the soul, you know, like a psychic rather than a spiritual man of God. You didn't have too many people coming to Prophet Samuel's meeting. When Prophet Samuel showed up, the people feared and said, are you here for good or evil? There were no big lines of people showing up to Samuel saying, prophesy over me, prophesy over me. Because they knew that Samuel would speak a word that would go deep into their hearts, right into their soul, right into their mind. And all this nonsense of soothsaying wouldn't have happened under his ministry or under Isaiah or under Ezekiel or under Jeremiah or under any true prophet of God. You didn't line up going, give me a word. If they would have given them a word, and if they were in sin, they wouldn't have been, the Lord bless you. And you're going to have all this great stuff, and you're going to be a great this and a great that. And you notice today that's basically what's coming out. Everything is great. Even America is great. Towards all these prophets that are prophesying, America is not great. America, at one time, boasted a glory and a righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's not great today. America has fallen. And you may not like that. And you may be part of the convoy that's standing up over in D.C. right now saying, we want to make America great again. And Donald J. Trump wanted to make America great again. But as one of our dear friends said, the only thing that ever made America great was Jesus Christ, was the gospel that was allowed and permitted in our schools and in our government. And the, the gospel that, and, and the republic that was given was from God. God is only what made America great. You can't make America great by getting the economy going and all the systems going, but yet you're still marrying men with men and women with women, murdering innocent babies, blasphemy coming out of Hollywood, 
New Jerusalem, the born-again people of God. Yes, the, the born-again people that have been delivered from darkness into light, they've been translated out of death into life. They've been resurrected by a out-resurrection from among the spiritually dead in this life. We've, God has been real. The heavens have opened. You're born again. You have a new nature. You're part of a church that belongs to the heavens. But even there, there will be false prophets and false teachers among you. So the church all over the world, this, this group of people, two billion, I don't know how many billions or how many people are believers in Jesus and go to churches, uh, but there's only one true church. It's made up of people. It's not made up of brick and mortar. It's not what denomination you belong to or what size church you have. The church is made up of individual people, and God knows the name of every individual that has been sent by the Holy Spirit to function and operate as a member of the body of Christ. God knows your name if you are part of his ecclesia. He knows the names of everybody on the planet that have ever been and will ever be, but he knows the people that belong to him, right? So in this church, Peter's saying, they will cleverly teach destructive heresies. That's what he said. There will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. Wow, I mean, their apostasy was great. Their trickery and craft was great. Their spellbinding doctrine, their spellbinding serpent-like tongue really spun a web on people's minds that they would actually deny the Lord Jesus Christ himself who bought them with his own blood. They would change that to mean something else, some esoteric, metaphysical, symbolic, you know, this wasn't real, it didn't really happen, but it's symbolic about, you know, they, they spun it. And then he went on to say that they had these cleverly destructive heresies. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching. Many, which means the plurals, the majority, many, a large amount, will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. Shameful immorality among the false prophets. All you have to do is go back 20 years and start marking. Go back 30 years, start marking. Go back 40 years. Start marking when all things begin to change and um, shameful immorality skirts have been lifted up all over this nation. Okay, just in America, let's talk about our own country for a minute. How many of the pastors and the evangelists and the TV evangelists and the prophets have had their skirts lifted up? How many men and women have had the thousands line up before them to prophesy while they were the night before with homosexuals drinking alcohol, getting drunk? That was happening. How many uh, pastors and prophets and televangelists were preaching God's word and then were in hotels with prostitutes? How many uh, men have fallen from grace? How many people were doing shameful, immoral things while maintaining? I mean, the head of 30 million evangelical Christians in America is going to the masseuse, having sexual Things go on while he's taking crystal methamphetamine 
and then going before the 30 million evangelicals. I mean, I don't, I don't want to empower Satan, but I'm just saying, these people are written up in the Word of God. They are written up in the Word of God. The, the shameful immorality of those that are putting these mind-binding spells on people in their evil doctrine, their destructive teachings, well, he says, many will follow their evil teaching. Many are following now. Once saved, always saved. On and on. Live the way you want. All people are going to be saved. Even the devil is going to be saved. Nothing to worry about here. Everything is good. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. So now, truth is slandered in our society. Truth is slandered wherever it's being preached in a society of immorality and false teachers and false prophets. In their greed, in their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. Well, that's the prosperity gospel in mass. That's the prosperity gospel. Making up stories to get your money. Preaching things that are even in the Bible, spinning them to get your money. I believe that true preachers, true teachers and pastors and prophets and those, whoever they are that are serving at the altar and ministering at the altar, they are to be fed from the altar. There's no doubt about tithes and offerings. And I know people got some wild ideas about that, but that's not what we're going to talk about. Be content with whatever God gives you, whether it be small or little, but you don't make up stories to get people to give you money by telling them what they want to hear, but that is what they do. No bueno. It's been going on a long time, hasn't it? So in their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money, but God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. Now, here's where I believe God is speaking prophetically to our generation. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of this unfold. I think we're going to start seeing more and more and more of it because people are trying to keep that untempered wall, that flimsy wall of salvation, peace, and safety, and they they put their whitewash all over it, making people believe that's the issue, and it's not. It's going to fall. And how is it going to fall? God says, I'm sending my fury, my indignation, and my anger against it. And when I, when I read that, what I hear in my spirit, what I see in my spirit 